Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a new podcast miniseries exclusively on Patreon right now. For $5 and up subscribers at patreon.com slash talking simpsons, you get Talk King of the Hill Season 2 Part 1. That's right, we're returning to King of the Hill once again putting out 11 new episodes covering the first half of the show's second season. Again, that is patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Be there or be not right. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons where butterflies are free. I'm your host, the creepy one-bedroom apartment liver, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. I just collect the cans, Daddy. It's Henry Gilbert. Hi. And who do we have on the line? Hi, I'm Jeff Dutton, Marge's date for the prom. Hmm. <laughs> and this episode is The Way We Was. Everything I know tells me this story doesn't end with us sitting here and you telling it to us. Get off the edge of your seat. They got married, had kids, and bought a cheap TV, okay? (laughs) Today's episode airing on January 31st, 1991, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, Welcome Freshman debuts on Nickelodeon. Ah. Home Alone (laughs) is still number one at the box office. And the first Lemmings video game is released for uh, some British computer systems. Mm. Oh, yeah, Amiga. Right. That always looked more fun than it was to me. Every time. It yeah, was. Yeah, every, every version of Lemmings I played, uh, every time I was like, eh, I'm good. I'm, I, after, after the first two rooms or something. Even the, donk, the, the Mario and Donkey Kong rem, Lemmings ripoff was the most I liked the Lemmings game. I even didn't like that one that much. No, no. What, what are what are those? Those ring about. Oh, oh, they're called like Mario versus Donkey Kong, and it's are they like are they minis, the minis? March of yeah. the minis. That's it. Where you're like you're moving around miniature toy Mario's through mm. uh, through a stage, and they made a lot of those. Yeah, up through the 3DS era, I think. No way, man. Yep. That must have been like while I when I was in college, it was a bit of like a dark ages for me and uh, most forms of media, <laughs> except for like <laughs> Halo and Grand Theft Auto. So it must have been like in that pocket. But, oh yeah, uh, I remember uh, Worms was what I wanted Lemmings to be. Yes. When I I found Worms, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I wanted Lemmings to be. I didn't want to have to, like, crawl out of a pit or whatever you do in Lemmings. (laughs) Uh, Well, you mentioned GTA. That's the uh, fun trivia about Lemmings that the guys who made it would go on to create GTA. It is true. Yes. Yeah, the the same bunch of British weirdos. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, you mentioned Welcome Freshman. That was an early uh, scripted Nickelodeon show filmed in front of a live audience in Florida. Henry, could you have been in a Welcome Freshman taping no and unfortunately not because the the one time i got to go to the nickelodeon studios uh and see stuff was at uh, they weren't filming anything we got Mm. to look at the closed down set for legends of the hidden temple that's so cool did you watch the orange years documentary oh no i haven't seen this no have you heard of this i yeah i've heard about it in passing uh i don't know how in-depth it goes though um it's pretty brisk but it just touches on like everything you know Mm. 
know what I mean? It it starts in like the pre the pre orange years where it was just like a struggling educational channel and it had pinwheel and then it <laughs> uh, went forward into the kind of the boom of it is the studios is Nickelodeon Studios and I had no idea that people would go through the tour and like see the dressing rooms and see the where they shoot everything like it oh, was yeah. really they let you in there. I can't imagine working in that atmosphere of like just an endless tour of, of, of uh, tourists coming through. It was a real boom for Florida. It was becoming the Union Free Hollywood for yep. maybe like seven or eight years. That's what Nick yeah. hoped for. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And MGM too, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, they were the Disney in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. And when I watch Welcome Freshman as a kid, I rem- I can I can't even name any more characters from it. But Mr. Lipman okay. was there, Mr. Belding. It was a Saved by the Bell ripoff with a little more edge to it. The, I recall the first season was like sketches, and the second season mm. they, it became a thirty-minute just full story kind of thing, as I recall. And currently, it's lost media. Yes. Yeah, I I get it confused with you can't do that on television. Oh, it's uh, it's similar. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's after oh, what you can't do that. Yeah, not not as many weird. I remember no. farts uh, on Welcome Fresh. Nobody's getting slimed. Uh, there's no costumes, as far as I know. Kids get shoved in lockers, though. Whenever I saw any show that joked about kids being shoved in lockers, I was like, that's gonna happen to me. I just know <laughs> it. And uh, Home Alone still number one, debuting yes. what in uh, November? I'm guessing of 1990. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and still number one. Nothing. Well, this is also like you know in the early 90s they didn't put out movies in january like nothing was going to beat the christmas movie in january so home alone started to be it i mean we we've talked about it a lot but i mean uh, Je- jeff did you see home alone in theaters uh i think that i saw two in theaters mm. and um one well we'll get into this early <laughs> in my life my parents were like oh no you can't watch Bart, <laughs> you know, you, you can't watch The Simpsons. And then that quickly went away. But I think Macaulay Culkin or like Home Alone was another like bad kid mm-hmm. that um, at least like I had a little sister. My parents were like, oh, we're not watching Home Alone. And then quickly, you know, that was fine. Kevin McAllister <laughs> was a live action Bart that kept a smart mouth on him. He didn't skateboard, but he got into trouble. Right. He sledded down the stairs. Yeah. That's right. Dangerous enough. Like too imitatable. as <laughs> it is. <laughs> Uh, but joining us on the show, you've heard his voice earlier. We have Jeff Dutton from the Sloppy Boys podcast. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And we've had your cohorts on previously, and now we have completed the Sloppy Boys collection. Mm-hmm. You sure have. And they know The Simpsons better than I do, so <laughs> <laughs> you made the right call. But, well, me and Bob, you know, where I am a patron as well. I think Bob is, is a patron mm-hmm. as well. Wow. A <laughs> couple patrons. All right. And uh, and yeah, I mean, also, we we loved your, your sketch show, uh, Birthday Boys. I think we've seen you live like two or three times. Two or three times in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, nice. Well, good to meet you, for real. Um, yeah, we love the San Francisco Sketch Fest, which is, I assume, where you saw us. Yes, yeah. And I hope it's happening this year. Hope, uh, hope <laughs> yeah. to see you again, perhaps, someday. Come January. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, uh, I guess I was going to ask, like, if you recalled watching this episode live in 1991, but it sounds like you weren't allowed to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was quickly okay. I mean, especially by the time like South Park came out, it was like all all restrictions were lifted on what television we could watch. But uh, Simpsons early on had like a bad rap. I mean, I'm sure you guys have discussed this a ton, Mm -hmm. but um, I did see a bunch though. And I remember my mom wanting me to see the one where uh, Homer quits drinking. Okay. Ah. My mom was like a nurse and like a detox nurse. Oh, okay. 
So you can imagine how she feels now that I have a booze podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, usually on the show, it's people uh, that were allowed to watch it or people that weren't. And then their parents eventually gave in. I think this is the first time we've had a parent who previously said no, trying to onboard you into the show with a one episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I mean, that, that is a, it is a good episode about alcoholism. I'm sure you guys have covered it. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't stick around as like a canonical decision for him the way it did for like Barney. But in that episode, it's it's very uh, good. But also it's just a, like a really funny episode of comedy television. So that's what you love. I, I was curious too, like, yeah, we've heard from folks who, when their parents wouldn't let them watch it, that by the time in like 94, 95, when the syndicated airing started in the afternoon, when your parents were at work or maybe just coming home, you could finally watch it. Were you, were you a viewer at that time? I just remember, I'm from New Hampshire and I, rem- I remember it being on uh, Fox 25. Oh, I guess it was always a Fox show, but, mm. but yeah, uh, it felt like there was a time where it was just sort of always doing reruns or you, you would get like back-to-back episodes in, in syndication. Mm. And, and it's a show that I never really thought felt like I had seen because I never knew when the new ones were on, (laughs) you know? So I would just be like, oh, it's just something that you see. And then by the time I was in college and people had the DVDs and stuff, I would go in and like, I would be like, oh yeah, let's put in this disc. I haven't seen this one. And I'd seen them all. Like I'd seen like the lion's share of them. And it's just one of those things where I felt, I felt cheated. Like I didn't have the experience of feeling like I was completing something, but every time I pop a disc in, I'm like, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. I'd like to be free of the knowledge of like, oh, this is season four. John Swartzwelder directed it or wrote it. Mark Kirkland directed it. I just have all that in my brain now. (laughs) It'd be nice to be surprised at this point. I love when I, when I do see one I haven't seen, but then like, it's not a good one because all, all the good ones are the ones that get played all. <laughs> you you probably watch those like 500 times at this point oh. yeah i well yeah i also was curious you know uh in in your college years that's when you you started your comedy career uh and i was, I've, I've heard from other folks in the, the comedy world that like the simpsons dvds and even like the extras like the commentaries and stuff uh kind of influenced their careers some or did how how much impact did simpsons have on your your career as a comedy writer director and actor Oh boy. Well, you see, I didn't go to, when I was in school, I wasn't like, I'm going to be a comedian. I still don't call myself a comedian, really. Uh, I liked to make funny student films as opposed to my more serious peers, (laughs) but uh, only moving moving to LA and did I say already, I liked surrounding myself with funny people. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, And so hanging out with like Mike and Tim and all those folks when we interned out here and then we're like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to move out here. Anybody else want to move out here? And it was only like the six or seven of us. <laughs> I think I've uh, absorbed the Simpsons as an influence just because it is kind of like one of the best shows. I, I was always more of like a South Park kid. Cause I felt like I caught it at the beginning and then mm. I grew along with it. Like, South Park came out when I was a freshman in high school and it was like the hot ticket item. It was controversial and huge out the gate. And then like it got better as a show as I got older as a human. And so I kind of feel like that's more my show. But even though I think the best Simpsons episodes are better, Simpsons at its best hmm. is better than South Park at its best, probably. It does feel special to be at the start of something. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, I, you know, also uh, your Sloppy Boys podcast is all, is a lot about uh, drinking. I was curious if you ever thought about making the flaming mo from the show, mm. or alternatively, if you drank the fake flaming mo that's at the Universal Studios. No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't had the fake flaming mo. Uh, I did go to 
the Simpsons ride early because Mitch was, I believe, still working at Gracie mm. when it came out. So we got to go on like the ride really in like succession. We're like we went once and then went a second time and I was very sick after <laughs> like it's, it's something I loved the back to the future ride, but then the, the Simpsons one is a little bit more like nauseating, mm. especially like there's like, there's like a milk breath burp yeah, uh, at the end that yeah. is kind of um, icing on the cake. And so the first time I was like, let's do it again. And then the second time I was like, Oh, that's, <laughs> I feel fucking gross. Anyway. Uh, I haven't had the fake. I haven't had the flaming mo drink. But like, what's the ingredient? It's oh, it's caught. You just. It sounds like it's just a Long Island iced tea or one of those ones of like a lot of different alcohol. Just a shot, a shot, a shot, and then codeine laced grape. Yeah, uh, cough yeah. syrup. Non narcotic. Oh, and you do yeah, have to light yeah. it on fire first. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. a flaming shot. Any thoughts yeah, on? I, uh, I would do that. Any thoughts on just the uh, drinks you light on fire in general? You know, we just got back from Hawaii <laughs> and we had a ton of flaming drinks. No, I... And uh, I haven't gone back. Now all my drinks are flaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've had that flaming uh, Dr. Pepper, right? I remember yes. that one. Yeah, that, that uh, which I was, I've never had one before. I, I thought you mixed Dr. Pepper in it, but it's not. <laughs> I was shocked to learn that was not the case. Same. I thought so too. But uh, I mean, it's kind of more fun when you when you realize like, no, 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 it's it's this other stuff that you put together and you light on fire and then it tastes like Dr. Pepper. That's that's a cool thing. Did you try it? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I, you know, I just listen. I don't have enough of a liquor cabinet. So, like, <laughs> no I, problem. Bob, yeah. I got a little nod out of you. Did you try it? No, but I want to. Yeah, you should. I've been yeah. building up an unhealthy liquor supply over uh, quarantine. <laughs> Yeah. And now that it's over, I need to start drinking it all yeah, in sure. higher quantities. I think uh, that's how it works. You know, on the on the mention of the Simpsons, right? I did want to say I just went to Universal uh, right after they opened back up, and me and me and my husband got to ride it, you know, alone because that's how they were safely doing it. So that was part of the treat, but. It was the first time where it like really hurt me. Like I, I think you need the ballast of all those other people to keep I, the thing stable. I think so. Like it did a thing of like, oh, lurch forward and then pull back, and like it actually like I bashed my back against the hard back of the thing. Like, ow, my back hurts. Like I, I couldn't believe how much that hurt. That sounds like me on Goofy Sky School. Oh, I never ride that again. No way. <laughs> Wait, what? What is that? A Disney ride? That's a California Adventure. It's one of those wild mouse style roller coasters, which. Which means they're made out of wood and very painful they just shove mm. you around and for like 30 seconds you're just shaking basically i've never been to california adventure i wow. want to especially now that they're doing that's where marvel is right yeah you can see your, yeah you can see spider-man there now i know dude i saw the, the, they have a guy winging around i don't know if it's a dummy or a robot or what it seems like they got a dude doing some serious stuff oh yeah it's 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 really cool i uh oh yeah so I guess you mentioned it before, but like, yeah, you did, you, you had your pals who did work on the Simpsons. So you guys got to enjoy some, some free Simpsons food on occasion mm -hmm. or at the, uh, at the opening of the ride. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. Yeah. that's what You got to be about. Mitch's plus one to the ride. Yeah, truly, honestly, that's, I think that's exactly what it was. Like <laughs> I was Mitch's plus one. Well, I mean, we heard about the, the birthday boy's house and Mitch bringing home uh, non-eaten Simpsons food for like a free feast. Oh yeah. Yes, that stuff. Yes, that was the best. 
What a time. <laughs> you know, like back when you're all PAs and stuff, you do get all like I would call them like fringe benefits, but it's just like the runoff from successful people. <laughs> so uh, like, yeah, occasionally you'd be like, hey, we got a bunch of pizzas up at the house. Like who knows where they came from? One of our jobs. But uh, Mitch in particular, because of that writer's room would just have like just feasts of like untouched, you know, sushi. A couple hours old, but come on. Yeah. Matt Salmon good. couldn't figure finish his foie gras, so it's <laughs> yeah. all yours. Yeah, really. Uh, no, I, you know, I've heard through the grapevine. I don't think the writers working from home right now on Simpsons, I don't think they mm. get free food anymore. I think they got to oh. buy their own lunch. Boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask Jeff about your background is, I didn't know this until I, I started listening to the Sloppy Boys podcast, that you mm. are an anime fan, like like Bob and I. Uh, yeah, you know, I you guys probably trounce me in this regard as well. <laughs> uh, I Growing up, I was a little bit into it, but I was like more of a comic book kid. Like, mm. I was into Marvel stuff, and I would even do like, not magic, but like the Star Wars version of magic. Do you guys remember? Oh, the card uh -huh. game for that. Yeah, I, like, I never played it, but I do remember. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I didn't know how to really play, <laughs> but like I just liked collecting shit and action figures and like comics and stuff. But um, I had a buddy who early on we would watch uh, Ranma and like I saw like maybe Ghost in the Shell and like Bubblegum Crisis and some like big wars, a bunch of a bunch of sort of weird stuff that I can barely remember. And then as I got into college, I started to get more into like the Akira Ghost in the Shell Miyazaki movies. And then I still don't I still don't think that I'm like any anime head really <laughs> like I'm more of a movie guy than a series guy, for example, mm. like it's too much to me to like watch 20 episodes of a thing. I watched Attack on Titan and I was like disappointed because I wanted more answers. And I forget <laughs> that like that show is pulling from just like books and books and books and books and they're just going to draw this motherfucker out. <laughs> You're but not going to get too many. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I did watch uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion and it's mm. one of my faves. That's what I was going to Did yeah. you ever pitch a, a sketch <laughs> based on Evangelion ever? No way. How would you? <laughs> what would Bob Odenkirk say to that sort of pitch? <laughs> He'd be like, oh, we don't do Kierkegaard sketches. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, it sounds like, like you, you had the, the elder millennial gateway to anime that we did too mm -hmm. the, the same pathway the same like style of shows and movies <laughs> mm. i didn't really do like i mean dragon ball was big for a lot of people i never did dragon ball did you guys uh yeah a yes bit. yeah no i yeah i uh, i had a lot of the same gateways as you like evangelion and rama one half and all that but uh but then i i went a bit more hardcore into it and then in the by about 2005 though i then stopped watching anime and only uh mainly through doing this podcast have i gotten more more current with, with japanese animation again <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you guys seen uh slam dunk Oh, oh yeah yeah I, my wife is a big fan but i have not seen it i know it's great uh when hanford was in town we started it and we just got like i don't know like four or five episodes and we were eating <laughs> eating dinners but uh that's really funny to see the sort of dynamic anime style uh put into basketball mm -hmm. like normally <laughs> normally you'd see it in like sword fights or like whatever karate or robots fighting or but to see it to see it in uh american basketball or like western basketball is <laughs> just so odd i think most sports even western ones like football they have a good anime mm -hmm. to go yeah. along with them <laughs> oh really yeah 
Yeah, there's one. I haven't watched it yet, but there's a, there's a American football one called Eye Shield mm-hmm. that I've heard is very, very good, which it is weird because, like, American football is not a thing in Japan. Like, it is, is it's more niche than, like, ping pong is in America. I've watched right. a bit of it, and a lot of it is, like, here's what American football is, <laughs> and here's a, how it works. Explanation of rules. Yes. But like, uh, this has nothing to do with the 1970s yes, and, and Springfield. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You know, I've I've told this story before on the podcast, but when I watched this episode live the way we was, uh, it was preceded by the Blowfish episode where Homer right. thinks he's going to die. <laughs> and right. in the commercials between episodes, like before the end of the episode, they have a commercial for this week's. And in my nine-year-old brain in 1991, I thought, oh my God, Homer really does die in this episode and they're restarting the series from high school. Oh no. <laughs> like I, I had a minor panic about homer was gonna really die but uh, that would be a good spinoff that would be i mean you were creating fan theories before there was an internet i was (laughs) i I was born to be a nerd right then yeah and we covered this episode uh five years ago and we did the scary math then let's do it again because this is an episode uh, aired in 91 about 1974 17 years prior if this episode aired today it would be about 2004 when marge and homer were seniors in high school so you just have to say it up front because it's i mean when we were watching this uh in 91 or at least henry and i i just thought like wow this world i never knew this time period i never existed in now it's just like 17 years i can do that standing on my head (laughs) yeah who cares yeah yeah to think of our parents watching this show and and going like oh yeah i remember that that was the same as 2004 is to us is is crazy to me to put that though i mean this episode for me as a little kid too the when lisa says i can't imagine you grown up like i think it was one of the first times Mm. i as a little kid thought oh my parents existed before me and they they had lives before i was a kid yes it's such a bummer uh when i think that like oh when you hit that age where let's say like it was when i was like 30 i i realized like oh i knew my parents Mm. when they were 30 like I have, I have memories of my parents being 30 and me being like six or whatever. <laughs> and it's just a, a crazy thing when you, when you catch up to like, when you're aware of your parents walking the earth. <laughs> yeah. My, my parents were, ba- they were uh second year of college in 1974 mm. when this episode was said. So they, they weren't that much older than Homer and Marge or, but I guess for this episode, if they're either 18 or 17 in it, then that means they're 34 or 35 mm-hmm. when this episode is set in, in present day. If Homer mm. met Marge in high school in 2004 and this is a similar story, she'd be an anti-war protester wearing a Buck Fush t-shirt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could see it. And Homer would be an Eminem fan. I yeah. Think, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, in, in the story behind the scenes is like graining was at first against it being set in such a specific time period, but they were, you know, they're like the, the main crux of this entire episode is specific jokes about 19 19- 74 if you take that away we lose most of the jokes in this episode and they kept, yeah i was gonna say yeah and they kept it up at least through the teen seasons because Artie ziff comes back in uh season 14 i mm-hmm. believe when the timeline does not make sense right because yeah. it's 10 years later 
But then oppositely, the Simpsons fans have been very upset at times when they don't, uh, they just fully reject the the impossibility now that the lead characters who are in their 30s can't have gone to school in 74, but when you make them go to college in the 90s, then everybody's like, boo, no, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, it's a weird line after walk. The Simpsons will be right back. A young Homer Simpson has made his plans for prom night. I'm going to drink a lot of beer and stay out all night. He'll be dressed to kill. My tux is going to have the widest lapels, the most ruffles, and the highest platform juice you ever saw. Now all he needs is a date. Marge, would you go to the prom with me? Homer J. Simpson, I hate you. So will you go out with me? The Simpsons. Welcome to the break, everybody. It's Dr. TV, a.k.a. Henry Gilbert. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Mr. Jeff Dutton. It was so much fun having Jeff on. We are big fans of his band slash podcast, The Sloppy Boys. You should be checking that out. Thank you, Jeff Dutton, so much again for being on our podcast. And if you enjoy the Talking Simpsons podcast, you should know that this is only possible thanks to the support of listeners like you who subscribe at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. If you're a five dollar and up subscriber at patreon then you get to hear every episode of this a week ahead of time and without ads like this one in it you get hear next week's episode with a cool guest right now and you'd get a ton of exclusives each month we put out talking futurama only for our patrons where we're going through the futurama series the exact same way we go through the simpsons we're up to season three now and you'd get to hear that plus our entire back catalog of exclusive mini series of us covering shows is the critic mission hill and king of the hill in addition to futurama all of that at your fingertips over a hundred exclusive podcasts that are always growing at patreon.com slash talking simpson But if you want something as nice as a date with Elliot Gould, then you should sign up at the $10 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. That premium level gets you all that $5 stuff I just talked about. And then our monthly super exclusive podcast once a month. That is the What A Cartoon movie podcast. See, me and Bob have a sister podcast, What A Cartoon, where we talk about animated series super in depth like we do on The Simpsons. Please check that out as well wherever you download podcasts. And once a month, often for over for hours, we talk about an animated feature film super in-depth, just like we do with The Simpsons. This month, you're going to hear us talk about The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The month before that, we did Hercules. And next month, you'll get to hear us talk about The Lion King, all part of our Disney Renaissance Summer. And we have a giant back catalog, almost three years worth, over 150 hours of what a cartoon movies, as diverse as Akira, to a Goofy movie, to Beavis and Butthead, to America, to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. A giant back catalog you gotta sign up for at the $10 level to hear everything we do for all of our awesome subscribers at patreon.com slash talking simpsons.
Well, also the behind the scenes too on this is like they had never had these answers for how the Simpsons got together. Like they wanted this flashback thing and they thought, well, what do we, what do you go back to? What shows did this kind of thing? And what they looked back to was the Dick Van Dyke show, mm. that, which did so many episodes. I think it was on the Dick Van Dyke show. They decided they didn't want episodes with the kids. And they're like, well, how do we do that? Like, <laughs> oh, Dick Van Dyke will tell a story about before you were born, we did this. And that would be the framing device for the whole episode. Hmm. Dang. And they, they looked to original Dick Van Dyke show writer Jerry Belson uh, to help them with this. And same with uh, uh, Dave Davis, both of whom are, you know, comedy writing legends who were old Mary Tyler Moore production buddies with James L. Brooks. And, uh, and yeah, this, this episode really sets like a template for one of their most recurring episodes. I think now they're like, yeah, like the last season on the show, they did at least two flashback episodes mm -hmm. with, uh, with specifics. Hey, I think, uh, for most of the classic years, they do it every year or sometimes every other year. And usually written by Jeff Martin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's also why this episode sets the tone, but I really think Jeff Martin like uh, perfects it with the season three, I Married Marge, which the, the birth of Bart one, which that does follow. Well, for that timeline to work, Bart's born in 1980 because they see Empire Strikes Back. So after this episode, Homer and Marge date for six years yeah. and then get married. There's which... a lot of Marge and Homer, the dating years we don't see that I think <laughs> yes. should be expanded upon. Well, mm -hmm. there's the brief flashback in here to where uh, before we get into the, the real flashback, they're like, tell us how you guys got <laughs> married. And it's them getting the news that she's pregnant with Bart. Yes. Is, does that uh, jive with the later episode you're talking about? Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, they actually redo that entire scene in that episode, but they redraw Homer because the version of Homer that appears in that episode is not the same comb over Homer they draw in this scene. So, Got you. But they and do then, make it work. Yeah. And then in uh, the episode where Maggie is born, the story of that, we find it's all retcon in that how did Homer lose his hair? Well, he tears out more upon finding out <laughs> about each child being born. Uh, right. And that, on the couch and that episode is very specifically said in 1993 yes like, yeah but i think you know my al gene mike reese with da sam simon they wrote a good episode but i i also really think that david silverman the director mm -hmm. like hit this one out of the park yeah. yeah he said that he graduated in 73 so he just brought his yearbook in mm. and a lot of the people including Artie ziff are based on people he knew in high oh, school man. at the time the best that really that really helps the authenticity of it like there's so there's so many jokes in here especially about specifics of like homer puts a hot comb in his hair and it's like well if you don't uh, especially when they're doing this before really the internet in 1990 then you just have to remember what a hot comb looked mm -hmm. like and have lived through it or remember the chain steering wheels that guys had back then mm -hmm. and yeah it's very specific to 1974 outside of one thing that's 75 but they figured out everything like when songs came out when products were released when certain laws were being passed it's all tied to one year the specificity of all is really nice Ooh, i never considered the law thing that's i mean like you know it's so easy to throw in like yeah the goodbye yellow brick road or whatever but uh when you get into like what laws were being passed that's mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. 
They really and, did the work. And then, and then they did all this while staying pretty much hands off on like any Watergate or Nixon or Ford jokes. Like there's no, no presidential specifics, which in all flashbacks, that's the one of the easiest ones to go yeah. to. Cause like everybody remembers who was president in a year they lived through. Yeah. I, well, and then rewatching this one, this is their thing for the critic. Like they, the Gina Reese wouldn't create the critic for two more years, but this has so many, not just that it's the first appearance of John Lovitz, yeah. but it starts with like a critic gag. You yeah, know? it starts with a movie parody and then a discussion about it, but with two characters instead of one. Mm. Uh, they, they smash Siskel and Ebert together for the critic. Yes. Right. Uh, but yeah, this has a lot of first appearances. This is a major episode for like, well, you got Wise Guy and McBain in the same episode. Like that's a pretty big one. And uh, and also uh, before we will get into it right now, but I do want to credit the Twitter account that guy three thousand and two. The professional Simpsons collector who has uh, been very helpful in this podcast because uh, he buys original table read scripts of Simpsons, co collects them, and then does full Twitter threads of here's the original script and here's how it was changed in the episode. So I'll be citing a few of those when it's a big, interesting change. Hmm. But nice. I want to credit that guy, 3002. If you don't follow, if you listen to this podcast, you probably follow him. I would hope. But if not. Uh, but yeah, so this episode begins with a joke about sitting too close to the TV. I don't think I did it that much as a kid. Only uh, if the NES controllers cords <laughs> were so short, that would be the sure. only reason I sat that close to the TV. I did like the two, like how they put like a weird, blue glow on their faces like it's subtle but at least in in my uh streaming i could see like oh they are kind of putting like this sort of sicky neon thing on their on their the whites of their eyes that's uh it is burning their eyes now you know the kids kids in their screens they got them right up to their mm -hmm. eyeballs every day but <laughs> didn't do nothing to us i do i also uh was shocked at homer directly threatening to injure their eyes <laughs> like this is physical violence yep. classic <laughs> homer he's gonna punch those children in the eyes but yes this episode begins with the debut of one of the simpsons most famous characters and i don't mean the two critics <laughs> wait that's the that's the this is the first appearance of mcbain it, it is, is the yeah. first mcbain oh my god uh, i got him in this first clip here our next movie is mcbain another shoot him up push him through the plate glass window splatter fest from the hollywood cookie cutter here's a typically brainless scene Senator Mendoza is one of the most respected citizens in the state, McBain. And yet you ran his limo off a cliff, broke the necks of three of his bodyguards, and drove a bus to his front door? But Captain, I have proof that he's head of an international drug cartel. I don't want to hear it, McBain. That's You're out of here. <laughs> that makes two of us. All right, McBain. <laughs> that makes two of us. I love it. it <laughs> you know, I can't believe it. we're talking about the same movie. Oh, I thought no. McBain was a non-stop <laughs> roller coaster of chills, thrills, spills, and kills. Oh, and that chase at the end, my friend, <laughs> wow! Are you nuts? That movie stinks like your creepy one-bedroom apartment. Your mother didn't think it was so creepy. My mother, real mature. I'm sick of your great school. <laughs> I love so watching a bald guy argue with a fat way. tub of oh, lard. <laughs> uh, 
I forgot, you know, I, until having it isolated, I missed the bald one just grumbling through the entire time the fat one talks. Like, that's so, which that's how they're credited in the script is the fat one and the bald one. Uh, But, I mean, we all know who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, R.I.P. To both of them, man. I've, uh, yeah, I've watched that show all the time as a kid, and they really captured... How many times did you hear Ebert say back to Siskel, I can't believe we're talking about the same movie. Yeah. Like that's such a perfect, perfect encapsulation of their uh, relationship. And when they go on like Letterman or whatever, they would get personal. Oh yes. Yeah. I think, I think they actually didn't like each other half of yeah. the time. <laughs> uh, so more about McBain. So alarmingly, so this episode comes out in January of 1991. In September of 1991, there is an action movie called McBain spelled the exact same way starring Chris, Christopher Walken and Michael Ironside. And because of that, they are iffy on the use of the term McBain. So that's when they resort to using Rainier Wolfcastle, the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they eventually go back to using McBain. But yeah, the same year, it's lateral thinking. There's an action movie called McBain released <laughs> so- nine months later after this parody. Uh- it's so Who, the voice of the chief. That sounds like Hank Azaria. Yeah, it sounds like Hank to me. Yeah. Man, what a great performance. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to hear a McBain. McBain? Uh, <laughs> it's so squeaky. And we covered this uh, when we did this episode earlier uh, in the past, but these McBain clips, there's what, like three or four of them in the mm-hmm. entire series? This whole story with Mendoza, if you're creative, you can stitch it into an entire movie or like portions of an entire movie. Yeah, it's great. You can see the like, you can know what scenes are before or after they kill his partner, Scoey. Uh, it's an old money where you see the end of the movie where he kills uh, Senator Mendoza. Uh, I mean, in the most famous scene of him just screaming to the sky like, Mendoza! Uh, I, That's right. God, every every bit of McBain is so good. I mean, once they, yeah, unfortunately, a Christopher Walken movie forced them to just have Rainier Wolfcastle just show up in as a person, and so you couldn't just see endless scenes from Mc, with the film McBain. But he's still a very funny character, even then. I mean, he is just a Schwarzenegger parody. That's what I love. What they're making fun of Schwarzenegger here is too is that like just his '80s action films where mm-hmm. he is such a ridiculous person who's like. Like, I am, uh, you know, I'm John Smith, the uh, cop. I think like, you're thinking of John Matrix, John Matrix from Commando. Yes, yeah. And he's not even, he's about to be in Terminator 2 that May or June, I believe, of this year. So. Right, right. Well, and so uh, here's one of the biggest things I learned from that tab- uh, table read script. In the original script, his name is Mick Quaid, okay. not Mick Bain. So like in Total Recall, he's Quaid, right? Uh, so yes, that's what Al Jean was asked about that and he was like I think it's a mashup between Quaid the Total Recall character and McLean from Die Hard ah, mm. so. well they should have stuck with it and they wouldn't have had this whole snafu with the <laughs> Chris Walken movie you're right man and whoever I like I only heard of that movie years later walking down the aisles of the video store and then seeing McBain what the <laughs> I I saw Riff Tracks did it like oh. uh, maybe like in 2015 or something so you can watch a, like a Rift version of it. It's not worth watching on its own. 
maybe I will. I I also think Silverman and his team really figured out like what a great comedy it is of just seeing this like gigantic Austrian man just fill every shot and just like but <laughs> Captain, I like that. It's just so funny that how it's also posed. I love that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, Siskel and Eve are getting very personal. The your mother didn't think it was so creepy. That's such a great <laughs> great line. Uh, and oh, I thought of one actual zinger that Siskel uh, did for Ebert that uh, I was watching some clips of them on Letterman and Siskel said that they called Ebert's uh, wedding reception Operation Desert Storm. Like <laughs> Dessert eating Storm. desserts. I yes. get it. I get it. <laughs> I didn't sell it, but he did. <laughs> that's good. Gene Siskel sold it. Oh, that's funny. And uh, I'm also re-watching those now. I'm like, oh, this is like just a podcast now it's just like guys arguing about movies <laughs> uh it's uh, except they are they're only restricted to 22 minutes they can't just go for three hours or whatever but uh i i really you know man what ebert could do with the podcast medium now if mm-hmm. he were here it's it's too bad but yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah so homer mocks both of those guys for qualities that are his of being bald and fat uh but then the tv breaks uh david silverman credits the test pattern shake-up thing to it was all designed by wes archer uh in his episodes on uh in one the tracy ullman short mm-hmm. so they're just copying from that but that's uh, cool i love seeing like the just like the weird geometric confetti kind of like squirking around Oh, it's such fun drawings, yeah. One, as a little kid, I really did love doing what Bart did when you could needle a parent of like, uh, Dad, you haven't fixed the car yet, or just when, <laughs> just you can see, like, hey, it looks like you're losing your patient, Doc. Like that, you you only have so much power as a kid, and when you know you can needle your your parent that they're they're not uh, succeeding at something, <laughs> feels good. And like the uh, something about that opening scene too, when it's like the family part uh, after the after the McBain clip where uh bart says looks like you locked looks like you lost the patient and uh homer's like shut up boy and (laughs) and it's kind of like muttering behind the tv it all felt so like nicely decompressed Mm -hmm, for for like a family animated comedy like you're just used to everything being kind of like fakey and punchy and quippy that to just kind of like hear somebody mutter and fumfer was just like (laughs) i feel like this is like nicely relaxed they let a lot of scenes breathe. It's not heightened and full of gags. Homer is not electrocuting himself right. or setting things on fire. It's just him like trying to fix a cheap TV and failing and then weeping over it. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny and it's offhand. It's not it's not pushed. Yeah, I you know, I could I could see in a in a writers room, you know, somebody would say, "He just says shut up, boy. We can be funnier than that." But there's just something natural just like, "Shut up, boy." Like just <laughs> yeah, just a a, a tired father saying that to his smart ass son that's just fun it is just nice and comfortable and natural right uh, and you can do it i mean there's so many simpsons is such a joke a minute thing mm-hmm. or, yeah you <laughs> say several jokes a minute that like you can get away with like a relaxed moment and it just feels like ah oh, this is nice uh though that i mean season two is where they kind of they slowly move out of that kind of pace but they're they're still in it here and mm. and homer insults his cheap chinese tv which you know my chinese tv in the living room right here is still pretty good for 10 years on it's, i, I, uh, I kind of think all tvs are chinese well yeah it's impossible <laughs> to buy a tv not made in china if you if you wanted to which i, I i'm not one of those buy american types anyway but even if you were you could you literally can't buy a tv that's made in america it's impossible 
no one makes it but yeah so then uh the bit two of homer hitting the tv and trying to fix it and the kids just screaming that also is like uh straight out of one of the yallman shorts like just mm. the kids saying no it's not work like that uh and they're i love when they're screaming worm tongues and the crazy like dutch camera angle on them screaming i love that shot it's so and that's good. and that scream reminds me of the simpsons arcade game mm. like the uh like the um the attract mode that it would go in you know oh like, yeah the, the rotation that arcade machines make when nobody's playing them and then you'd hear the like i remember you'd hear throughout the arcade that like ah, ah, ah. oh that's the, right the, the bart and lisa scream <laughs> anytime you get hit like yeah when me and bob just replayed that recently and i forgot just how very loud it is <laughs> because if you just have four characters on screen they're all talking they're all screaming they're all getting hit and going ah ah <laughs> all the time the best uh and so uh but the the tv breaks they're just left with a dot again i dan's delivery of just like god she's right just like <laughs> he's he just falls apart instantly like great great acting on dan and the posing the when he's the shot of him going like dear god just give me one channel and the the camera's like down and up at him like that's mm -hmm. such a great shot <laughs> i feel like i saw that in a million ads for the simpsons of like the simpsons on every night dear god give me one channel <laughs> like uh, homer immediately just brought to tears upon yes. one minor setback <laughs> yes. I, I guess like at this point in time i remember being like just completely distraught when the cable went out and now with if the internet goes out i can rely on my phone you know That's just like true, oh, the yeah. phone can still connect thank god mm -hmm. but uh things were different back then i just had an internet outage and had to be like well time to tether to the old phone <laughs> like yeah it had my my husband had to do the same thing of like he he has a full like you know regular hours job and so when, he, when the internet went out at 10 a.m he's like i just am gonna have to use up all my plan here to be in the zoom meetings i have to be in all day <laughs> yeah uh one, one one time when i was moving into this place i <laughs> didn't pay the power bill i guess like <laughs> i i moved in and everything was working and i was like hey i guess we're all okay <laughs> and then uh you know like 15 days later or whatever everything went off in my place and i ran outside and i caught the guy and i was like hey uh i'm here can i pay you and he was like no you got to take it up with the company or whatever uh. and so worse than having no internet just no anything mm, uh dang. I had like the remaining battery on my phone and that was my internet. And then uh, I would have to like run to the plug down the hall and just like leave my phone in the hallway or sit uh, next to it. And this was just went on for about, a, you know, a day, but <laughs> that sounds harrowing. It was hell. It was a living hell. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Marge says, you know, Hey, we can, we can, uh, we used to do everything back when we, uh, before we had kids, we used to have all this fun. And uh, this is when, Lisa asks, you know, the obvious question that a child would ask about, like, well, how did dad propose to you? And that's when we cut to a joke that uh, child me did not get. I did mm -hmm. not get that it is a joke about the idea that the sitcom parents had premarital sex was a kind of transgressive it's racy, yeah. yeah racy for 91 yeah. it's so great like how the tell is when hibbert congratulates her in her maiden name that's the tell that they are not married mm -hmm. and that they're that they're about to have a a child out of wedlock uh which her, her main name is bouvier a reference to jackie kennedy's is maiden name the first reference to bouvier it is the first use so, of the word yeah. bouvier yep and wow. uh uh, but yes, this uh, this is when Marge, she wants to tell a different story in this next clip. How did Dad propose to you? Mm. Well, uh, Miss Bouvier, uh, 
I think we found the reason why you've been throwing up in the morning. Congratulations. No! <laughs> so I'd rather tell you a different story. How your father and I first met and fell in love. We were seniors in high school, but we had never even met. Why do birds <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call me a space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. <laughs> I speak of the puppeteers of Oh man, that's good. That's mm-hmm. uh, Steve Miller band or a cover of both Steve Miller and the Carpenters. Hey, you know they got enough money for the song rights. They can't. They can't pay for all these masters. Mm-hmm. This has like five different songs. In it's it. true. <laughs> yeah, Elton John's in here. Ray uh, Stevens. Yeah. Oh yeah, they got that too. I and the Hustle as well. They got. They they have so much. Uh, what the, they were just throwing around song uh, money licensing. <laughs> I, I like that they bring the Carpenters back later, too. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I wrong or no? They do. No, you're right. Yeah. I love the Carpenters. I know the joke is here that they are lame and corny, and they, they are lame and corny. They're as corny as a 70s band can be, but I I love their corniness and this like weird songs about love by a brother and sister. Like That's just such an odd <laughs> thing about it, too. Uh, I, I didn't know like any of these songs were real songs when I was a kid, oh, so when neither. that Steve Miller band came on the radio, and a friend's dad was driving us around with classic rock on. I was like, oh, this song is great. And he was like, how do you know about this? (laughs) Eight-year-old, like, explain yourself. No, I I never had heard that song before. Even though as a little uh, nerd child, I listened to the oldie station all the time, but the oldie station didn't play 70s stuff, so I didn't know this song. Not old enough. Not in 1990, but it would be. Man, that's so funny when like an old song becomes a hit again because it's in like a movie. I mean, it it used to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I remember um, in high school, "Build Me Up Buttercup" had like oh. was like back on the charts because of something about Mary. Right, right, right. No, for for me as a kid, I don't think I ever heard Queen before I saw Wayne's World. Wayne's and, World, huge. Yeah, that's uh, the perfect ref. And what a bummer! What a bummer though, as a kid, to find out like, oh, this is Queen. You love this, and they're done. Like <laughs> he's the lead singer's dead. So you got to learn about bad, them and the lead singer's dead. Bad timing. Yeah. Yeah. to get into queen in 1992 <laughs> uh but no yeah that was uh it doesn't happen as much i guess the you know it sort of happened with guardians of the galaxy that popularized some mm. some old 70s songs yeah yeah uh i liked guardians okay i didn't mm. like it as much as a lot of other people <laughs> i don't like that um it, it's was it guardians Sh- should guardians be to blame for every fucking superhero movie now having like an old pop song in it you know, mm. it no, like like in the trailer, you know, like they like all of them now are just like, oh, it's a superhero movie, and it's like we don't need no edge. like fuck yeah. off of that shit. How many of them were painted black? Oh god, no, oh. I well, I I think Guardians they had some deep cuts, but I uh, in Guardians my biggest complaint was that I feel like after Reservoir Dogs popularized the you know Ooga Chuck, like <laughs> once they yeah. they made it their own and so famous in a movie you can't put it in your movie anymore like that's just no reservoir dogs Agreed. owns that song what yeah. was the uh the air force uh commercial movie 
superheroes. Oh, uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, wasn't that just like a Spotify playlist they put on during the movie? Uh, and, like the yeah. '90s hits. It it did do that. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah they just a girl at least. Well. Well, and I just watched Cruella, and that is like literally in a five-minute span. They play four songs oh. from the '60s and '70s. It's Man. like, and I, and I'm like, well, but I like these songs. I like Iggy Pops, you know, uh, "Be Your Dog," but I don't. Oh, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You get it. Yes, I, I do feel like a re- um, Guardians because it was just like, oh, there's a whole mixtape. It was just like, oh, you're gonna go like hog wild with this shit. Mm. Um, I think they are kind of to blame because. Because uh, Guardians came out before Deadpool, am I right? Mm. Yes, yeah, it Deadpool did, yeah. was a lot of sort of like winky pop stuff, and then like Suicide Squad was like re-edited to be more like Deadpool and like have more pop songs in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're Boogie Nights, yeah, you get to like do like the mixtape from the era. But if you're, yeah, I don't know if you get to if you're a Marvel movie already and you already have everybody in the world showing up to your thing. <laughs> Well, what's still impressive with me with Tarantino movies is that like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, he did have songs that I've heard before, but he also like gets, I mean, I'm not like a super music expert, but he uses this uh, out of time song by Rolling Stones and the mono version mm-hmm. of it too. I'd never heard that song before. It was not, it's not like a well-known Rolling Stone song. And here he is labeled to like make it his own because it's like, well, no one else has used this in a movie before that at least that anybody remembers. So I, uh, but it's, it's hard to dig deep and find like a song yeah. nobody's heard before and then well, license it. And, and like his, and like, I like, I loved once upon a time. And, uh, I like that they're sort of doing like the AM radio shtick where it's like, you're always sort of in the car and you're always sort of hearing songs passing by. And so he uses Mrs. Robinson and then like cuts off before the chorus. Like, yeah, anyway, <laughs> onto, the, onto the next scene. I was yeah. like, whoa, you know ball or move, Tarantino. <laughs> uh, that was, yeah. I, well, hearing these songs, this, this definitely taught me about seventies music and as, as a little kid and I, I mean, I'm still, we're all still confused by pompatis and that, that fake word. Uh, did, did you look into what it sort of is or what it kind of is? No. So, so pompatis is, uh, well, this is what I, I read on Wikipedia, but it is that, um, Steve Miller had actually used it in a song before this so this was him referencing himself of Mm. saying like when he says some some call they call me the pompatus of love he's referring to another song where he said that but he was referencing a 50s doo-wop song that used the word puppetus of love puppetus but which is also a made-up word and then he didn't know what that word was which is and so he said pompatus so it's it's just uh, a nothing word, but but that's Dude, where it comes from. <laughs> honestly, I think that's allowed. I, that's where like you know Jellicle Cat and yeah. Susu Studio come from. If I'm, I mean those those might mean things, but like I think to most people, it's just like oh yeah, you can just sing some nonsense if it's a, if it's musical. <laughs> uh, it it was also the name of a 1996 John Cryer film. I learned called, really really yeah, the Pompatus of Love. Is okay, the, name of the movie. <laughs> I didn't know this Stephen Miller band had uh, this song had footnotes. Yeah, I uh, I've always been confused by that Pompatus bit, and I I love Young Homer 
like he is a doppelganger for Philip J. Fry from Futurama. They mm-hmm. look very similar. Yep. Uh, though I also think that's because Silverman uh, says he did this intentionally, not that it was like Matt Groening told him, draw Homer to look like me. But David Silverman drew Homer to have Matt Groening's hair. At the which, time. Yeah. In 1991, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Which I love. I mean, I love that mop top of hair. It's uh, it's what I still try to maintain to this day. <laughs> Just <laughs> and uh, but yes, Homer is the type of guy. If you're a dude senior in high school back in '74, if you heard the Carpenters come on the radio, you probably be like, "Lick!" and change the channel to some some rocking tunes. Uh, but I do I, I love the Carpenters quite a lot I I also think of this bit here with we have our friends who work on the show the uh, the ki- the Cartoon Network show Craig of the Creek mm-hmm. and and there's a bit in Craig of the Creek where uh, several times they have to write the parents on the show of like well if the parents are our age then they grew up in the 90s and so they write these scenes of like the kids not knowing 90s music and the parents go like no this was cool and now it just i'm like oh this is what my parents felt watching this scene of me being mystified by this world i'd never heard of of the 1970s uh that to, to experiencing it to experience it on the other side through watching our friend show craig of the creek uh it's uh it's sobering well we don't have children to explain things to that's true we just get to that's one of the main reasons <laughs> i don't want to explain <laughs> shit to these kids no uh homer uh, parks his car meets his friend barney i really like the vibes of high school barney and homer they're fun they're a fun couple of buddies mm-hmm. i like that though when i saw it i was like oh man i was the barney in my friendship uh in high school with my <laughs> friends i wasn't homer i was barney because <laughs> i i didn't have a car I was the guy who was friends with people who had cars. I I didn't learn how to drive until after my senior year of high school. Me too. Only a year after, but that's good. It's funny that like uh, Homer's the cooler of just two like loser dudes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we, I I guess we don't see more of what a loser Homer was in high school until further flashbacks. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like Homer Simpson. I think you're cute. Yes. Yeah. And then the girl walks away. Sarah, that was mean. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) Or just Homer and Barney like on the outside of being cool in high school and trying to get into the cool guy's van. Like Yeah, the second base mobile. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah homer passes marge in the hallway and this is when marge is talking to the friend she lost uh, what do you think ha- the, the script calls her kim what do you guys think happened to kim did, mm. the, did marge and her just grow apart because marge never left springfield so uh, my guess is that kim left to to have, be a professional somewhere other than springfield and they just grew apart i didn't know she had a name <laughs> well they yeah. don't call her by name in the episode but mm. thanks to the the script pages i read i know her name Kim. This, this is the girl who gives her a copy of Mrs. Magazine or Miss Magazine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ms. Uh, Magazine was fairly new, uh, founded oh. in 71. And uh, <laughs> this is this is something upon revisiting at this time, knowing more about the production of the show. It's just like this was a famously a writer's room like many at the time where there were no women. In fact, women were actively put, kept away because of certain people on the staff. And I feel like this view of feminism uh, of the time feels rather skewed to me because the the magazine has articles like 25 reasons not to shave your armpits <laughs> yes. which is seemingly implying like feminism makes women ugly and, and then Harry and hate man and yeah, marge yeah. is like immediately radicalized into this uh, you know ism she doesn't understand and it it ruins her life in some ways so uh mm. 
I think we needed a woman to like just be in the room <laughs> with these guys. Kim is a bit of a complainer in the in the in the uh, the script. She has even more like angry yeah. things to say. About oh, as uh, a feminist. oh, really? Other other uh, articles in this magazine. Special PMS issue, by the way. Whoa! Uh, why all men are bad? <laughs> well, yes, you know, I agree with them. Mm-hmm. They're right. We are. We we are lame. So in the script, it's her telling Marge about like, hey, you know, women can't. It's actually Actually, uh, this bit's a little nicer. She says, like, you know, women aren't hired to be police officers or firefighters, or there's never been a woman on the Supreme Court. And then Marge says, oh, well, you know, I." Uh, she naively replies, uh, well, if we just ask men about changing that, I'm sure they would. Hmm. Like that. <laughs> That's a Marge answer. Yeah. Yeah, I like to think that Kim, you know, she realized she couldn't she couldn't stand being in Springfield anymore. She's got to get out of here. She went away to, unlike Marge, she went away to college. Hey, the, that's, that conversation also kind of sets up Marge being a police officer. Oh, hey, mm. you're right. Yeah. Uh, we'd be, if they had kept it in, we'd be looking back on that of like, oh, Marge learned she'd be a cop then. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think there's an argument to be made in this episode that Marge's life is ruined by Homer or, or upset <laughs> by it, that she yeah. was on. A certain path and homer knocked her off of it, it was it's a, really a pity based relationship mm-hmm. uh ultimately i don't think the show uh this episode is that self-aware of it F- in the future the show will be like marge just feels sorry for homer and that's why they're together <laughs> that's true yeah i want to see the series where she's married to artie zith yeah oh, God. but yeah so marge and they then walk by the room where uh the bathroom where homer and barney are smoking i would guess it is supposed to be red as tobacco but like this had to be a joke about smoking pot at school right like yeah I mean, only, only because they say uh uh springfield's answer to cheech and chong yes yeah <laughs> I, I think it's a little runner for dondelinger where he doesn't know what marijuana is mm-hmm. but suspects it everywhere because we ah. get one more joke they're like is that a bong is that a bong it's like oh you have asthma okay go ahead <laughs> so uh. i think he's just very paranoid about what he thinks is marijuana but they're smoking cigarettes and yes like I think when my stepdad went to high school, there was like an area of the grounds you could smoke in. Like, hey, children, smoke your cigarettes here. It's the 70s. Also, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, you're smoking weed. You have one joint. You pass it around. You don't each Mm -hmm. have a joint. Yeah, it's true. It looks like they both took it out of a pack. That's true. Oh, they had a pack, too. (laughs) No, I mean, it looks like they both just came out of a pack ah, yeah. gotcha. but i think like up until the 80s uh smoking on high school campuses was normalized to the point where there was little areas because oh, yeah. they're like well children are gonna smoke yeah we gotta give <laughs> yeah, them a space for stop it them smoking yeah i feel like freaks and geeks had a smoking area didn't it oh yeah, yeah i think so yeah but by the 90s uh you could at least not smoke on campus on my high school campus you could not smoke same here yeah, same. You you uh, you would get worse than detention. You'd get like work detail in my <laughs> in my school. But and uh, well, that's that's the debut of Principal Dondelinger. Yeah, uh, the, oh, the, love the that name. Seldom seen Dondelinger would come back once for the front, and I'm sure he's like in crowds here and there. But that was his yeah. only other major appearance, teaching that adult education class when Homer found finds out he didn't graduate. And that episode is sort of a, a callback to this one. Oh yeah, it's like a sequel. Yeah, though I I, I looked up on the wiki, he would make like speaking line appearances in season 20 mm. and season 32 wow so this year yes yeah his dondelinger hasn't fully gone away which it's funny that they now write stuff like homer didn't go to high school in the 70s but he still has a 70s high school principal <laughs> <laughs> 
who is very much like the tough principal of the 70s like that i don delinger's a funny he's funnier the front has the best joke with him yeah. of just like saying that uh that he's he's trying to do this because his wife just passed away <laughs> and that homer said is this going to be on the test and he's like no and homer just strikes through dead wife on his <laughs> notes that is a good joke. who's the t who's the principal in back to the future Oh, uh, Strickland. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of Strickland. Me too. I was thinking that. You're right. You know, a lot of this has the feel of it. It also ends at a dance and the parents getting together. This this has some feel of Back to the Future to it, for sure. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, like, you know, the girl's going with the wrong guy and the right guy's got to step up. One. Yeah, like part of me in this episode when I'm watching it, I'm like, well, this is when Homer beats up Artie or saves March from Artie, but no, Homer <laughs> walks home crying. Yeah, and it's it's just more of just why I like incidents happen without Homer's involvement. Yeah. No, Dondelinger is such a strong character. Like, if they wanted to just do a bunch of high school episodes, Homer in high school, Homer and March in high school, Dondelinger would be a good, like, recurring character for those, but... It's pretty rare they do it now. I I mean too, they can't set it in the seventies. But uh, this though, also this is before, you know, it was by season ten. I think it was when they decided. You know who else went to high school with Homer? Lenny, <laughs> Carl, Mo. Does it say everybody? Um, uh, Waylon Smithers. Like anyone in Homer's age group also went to high school with Homer and Marge. <laughs> I mean, that's not wrong. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of you know my parents are kind of like southern new hampshire people and never really left they're they're still friends with all their they actually do go to school with all their high school buddy or go to work with all their high school buddies. <laughs> yeah. you stay within a couple miles of everybody you knew in high school <laughs> uh, but marge meanwhile has been fully radicalized and she uh gets sent to detention well 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 if it isn't homer simpson and barney gumble springfield's answer to cheech and chong Allow me, gentlemen. You just bought yourselves three days of detention. You know where and when. Three o'clock, old building, room 106. And in another article, I found out that to hire professionals to do all the jobs of a housewife who incidentally is not married to a house would cost $48,000 a year. Right on, sisters. The first step to liberation is to free ourselves from these male-imposed shackles. I didn't think it would burn so fast. Mm, I guess it's a tissue paper inside. <laughs> Miss Bouvier, I am surprised. You just bought yourself one day of detention. You know where and when. Well, no, I don't. Actually, I've never... Three really... o'clock, old building, room 106. <laughs> I wonder... I do wonder what the show feels about... This episode feels about feminism because... Well, Mar Marge's statistics she's so, saying are true things about, you know, an inequality that women were facing then and, and still do about, you know, homemakers and housewives. But they also do write her or her scene is performed of like, you're now a very shrill, angry person and you complain a ba whole bunch. Based on one magazine. You, yes. Because she's issue like, of Miz, in right? this article, it says they, like it's all based on one magazine she was given she's to. She's very excited about one article, she, uh, one magazine she read. 
And so, like, she got in trouble because she burned her bra? I guess she caused a disturbance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's it, yeah. It's it's funny that they added the whole, like, like it burned really fast, and people went, ooh, and they made a joke about it. Yes. It felt like they needed to, like, punch up that moment so that it read as something, so that a guy could come in and be like, you're going to detention. I guess they got to make it a joke. They're doing a bra-burning joke already, and then they also have to make a joke about stuffing your bra. She stuffed it with flash paper, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, burning the bra was a big thing. If they're gonna, If you're doing a checklist of things that happened in 1974 bra burning must have happened somewhere that feels like one yeah, of those things sure. that like happened on one campus once and every uh every person in the 70s was like it happened <laughs> on the streets everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I do like too though that you see they give you little flashes of like oh Lisa gets this for Marge like mm-hmm. Marge yeah. Marge mm. feeling this passionately about it and then later her you know good student qualities which they really just get rid of for Marge in the future uh, but you you get a little flash of like oh, okay she's she's Lisa's mom uh, but yes we head to detention and uh, I have to ask myself how did the nerdy girl Estelle get sent to detention what did she do to mm. be there? <laughs> oh right uh, well, this this joke about I wouldn't go to prom with you if you're Elliot Gould, it's much more funny to me now because uh, there's been a recent, uh, within the past year, this Twitter meme that's exposed the hunkiest photo of Elliot Gould ever, where he's on the cover of TV Guide with Grover, yes. and it's like yes. dripping with sexuality, inexplicably, yes. and I don't get it, but it's there and it exists, so I'm like, I didn't know Elliot Gould was hot. Yes. <laughs> also, like... If I watched this as a kid, I would still laugh at that joke because it reads so much like a joke, like mm-hmm. the cadence of it. Like, I wouldn't go to the prom with you if you were Elliot Gould. I would I would cackle with laughter, <laughs> just like not even knowing who that was. The same way that when you're a kid, you laugh at like lawyer jokes, not mm-hmm. having any sort of context <laughs> for why we make fun of lawyers. Uh, yeah, your parents would be like, you know who Elliot Gould is? I'm like, it's uh, funny. Don't worry about it. Funny. Let me laugh. <laughs> you find uh, out a lot about what she's into. Yeah, I like, well, so this was another big change in the script. Yeah, I think you can see it in her mouth movement, so I think it was yeah. a late H- uh, ADR. She at, In the original line, it was, I wouldn't go out with you if you were Elton John. Okay. Which... I guess that's a joke uh, about Elton John's sexuality. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, it works more as one of those jokes of like, oh, this joke sounds different in modern day when we all know he's gay. That's funny. But I think Elliot Gould's a better specific than just the easier joke of like, oh, she doesn't know he's gay. Ha ha ha. It's the mm. 70s. Uh, and also all the bits of him being turned down asking people out to the prom Al Jean says that was based on his life uh, that he said he has to ask out five women before he finally got to go to the prom and, and I think one said yes and then reneged on that oh yes yeah he said he said he uh, one girl he had been told would say yes to to a wall and she turned him <laughs> down and that, uh, uh, but you know he was he admits he was a very nerdy young man mm-hmm. so went he, to Harvard at 16 in, that's so crazy Gene went wow. to, yeah, he's a very, very smart man. Uh, but yes, Marge is sent to detention. That's when she meets Homer for the very first time. If she hadn't been sent to detention, she never would have met Homer. I really uh, love that the music comes back in. And this is when Homer is like, oh, now I understand this stupid Carpenter song because I'm yeah. in love. Right. And the slow-mo entrance, though, that's not in the script. That's all Silverman. So mm-hmm. it's a really great, like just the flowers flying around and her slow walk and she looks like Farrah Fawcett. Like, I guess that's what her hairstyle is yeah. supposed to be, right? Yeah. And I do like she's kind of moving in like these still frames, but Homer's bobbing his head in real time to the music. That's right. really so it's a good, cute little yeah. touch. 
hopefully saved a little bit of money with those still frames. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was artistic and uh, affordable. Cost-saving yeah. measure. <laughs> uh, on, you know, birthday boys, you did animation once with the, the swervels. That, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> that, oh, hell yeah. I love those swervels. But that uh, how how tough was that to, 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 be, <laughs> to have cartoons in your show? Um, we had Andy Maxwell, one of our editors, who was like good with, um, you know, he's good with like After Effects and any sort of uh, artsy animation stuff. We had him do the actual animation, but you better believe I designed those characters and storyboarded those scenes. Uh, oh man, that's great! The, the, the Swervels is—I don't want to say it's my absolute favorite birthday boy sketch. I, they're all great, but that one, every step of the Swervel sketch is the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Thanks, like, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was like—that's uh, kind of Mitch's whole thing. <laughs> like, you know, his whole—he—he he was like the angry internet nerd before <laughs> before they were every before it was everyone you know like oh they ruined the muppets like that that was his thing and so we we were like oh, let's do a sketch where you know we kind of make fun of that but we'll we'll say all the things you really say but in jest <laughs> uh the joke is on his character in the sketch but i uh yeah i uh, even you can watch... tell it comes from a real place yes are yeah. you identifying too much with this character henry no 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 <laughs> hey i i learned from that sketch to be like oh wait that character's wrong he shouldn't <laughs> he shouldn't want dave seville to come back and do the do the chipmunks without one thing one joke i wish read better in that was when kyle gas appears in the closet as the creator of the Schwarvels, uh, I forget his name, John Allison's, <laughs> John Allison. Yes. Um, and then he says something like, go make your Schwarvels. And I just wanted to be, I wish that was a little clearer that it was like, you know, when you tell somebody like, don't get so upset about Star Wars, like go make your Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Oh no, I got it as, as him telling him to be creative. Yeah, I I got that. But... And then him misinterpreting it and being like, me make my own, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I love that. Uh, that buy the Birthday Boys DVDs. Watch them on yes, that. Yes, please. That's a good, I <laughs> also because your commentaries are great. But oh, thank. Hey, hey I can't believe you watch those. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I, I mean, you guys are also just so, so funny. Of uh, I, I don't know if I'd be that funny on a commentary after my show yeah. got canceled. <laughs> I don't. Oh, uh, I don't know if we did. We know we might have known season two. I think we knew when when we went in to do commentary that we were done. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. But it was very. Uh, you guys are great. We are commentary appreciators on this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with the detail you're going into Simpsons, I guess I'm not surprised that you watch this commentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yes, Homer and Marge meet for the first time in this uh, quick clip. So, uh, what are you in for? I'm a political prisoner. Last time I ever take a stand. Well, I'm here for being me. Every day I show up, act like me, and they slap me in here. Simpson, be quiet. You I haven't seen you in school before. Okay, Simpson. What? You just bought yourself another day of detention. Maybe we should get together sometime. Two days. I'm sorry, I don't even know your name. I'm Homer. Three days. Jay. Four days. Simpson. Five days. It was worth it. Six days. <laughs> okay, Simpson, to the back of the room. Uh, what a fun first meeting. with And Homer has the right idea. You know, if you're just a dirtbag, sell yourself as a rebel. Mm -hmm. Be like, no, nah, I'm a rebel. They can't understand me. I'm not just a She's loser. too real not, for yeah, them. Yeah, I'm a little too real for these people. Now that you got caught smoking while skipping class, it's <laughs> like, no, you're just a rebel. I love also like just that, that real clear thing where he's causing himself harm. There's real stakes in talking to her. He's not supposed to talk to her. He's costing himself days in detention and he still goes through with it. And then they have the added joke of he includes his middle and 
initial J. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cost just tax on an extra day. One day just to say that. Yeah. I I also love Marge saying like I'm a political prisoner last time I ever take a stand, which explains why she's so unobjectionable now. Though then again, she just did take a stand previous to this episode in the Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Mm-hmm. So uh, she goes back on that. It's also really great posing like Homer acting so nervous, like he's kind of looking at his fingers as he talks to her. Like it's it's very accurate like you know teen boy nervousness at talking to somebody i like that also liked how um they go to commercial right after this where barney asks her out and <laughs> and homer claps his mouth shut and is just like she's mine and then, <laughs> yeah. it, and then it just cuts to her and the music swells and it goes to black and uh it just made me miss you know the art of how you go to commercial mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think uh a lot of streaming shows i do miss the act breaks like the clear delineation of an act break because it's fun to get a reset when you come back from there and mm-hmm. instead it's just like one long strip of content these days and uh mm-hmm. it, it, i find it distracting yeah i need a nice reset every seven minutes yeah I, I also really like how the song the song goes away for Barney mm-hmm. and then comes back once he shut up Barney and then close to you it just comes back in uh, and you know this would stay uh, as their song and a lot of times you know when when they buy the new doorbell from Senior Ding Dong it's close to you mm-hmm. uh, when they in the Simpsons movie Mar- Marge leaves Homer and it then cuts to though their wedding and close to you is playing and close to you is playing over the the fake to be continued in the middle of the movie Mm -hmm. like i always like when they bring that back and keep keep that in there you know and the the carpenters estate has made a lot of money off of that that choice (laughs) since then yeah really uh but uh, then whenever i hear the song yeah i just think like oh it's the homer and marge song me too yeah But yeah, the as they cut back to the kids, they realize it's a ball of jailhouse jailhouse romance man. Uh, but Homer Homer then takes over the story, which that's when it hits me like, oh yeah, the next flashback episode when Homer does tell the story that embarrassed Marge. That's how the kids are able to hear the story of his proposal to her after getting mm. her pregnant because marge isn't there to say please don't tell that story it's right. just homer telling the whole story i think she's leaving to see if she's pregnant in yes, that episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man that's so funny the attention to detail like <laughs> i never would have think i never would think that you'd even have to do that but it's like a little, nice little easter egg it fits it fits that homer would tell a story like yeah i don't care if you kids know this is how i conceived yeah we me and your mom had sex all right we got drunk in a, in a on a golf course and had sex uh, we, and then we do see the depressing home life of oh, Homer and man. his father. And now, like, they didn't know this at the time, but now that we know, like, oh, yeah, his wife left him. Yes. Yeah. The, well, definitely the unspoken thing here is, like, nobody says your mother, like, there's no references to Homer's mother. But I feel like in the design, it is to look like a home that does not have a, a mother in it. Yeah. Like, like the right. grease dripping from the walls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is a big indication uh, of that. I love, I love the detail that, like, they are even eating the chicken out of the bucket they do not have a plate when when abe puts his um drumstick back he just puts it back inside the bucket because he doesn't have a plate like it's, it's really it's not a father and son it's two bachelors living together <laughs> is what it is it's true man so at this point in season two how much have we seen homer's dad uh in the normal timeline you know, he's appeared in a few episodes, like for Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, his his big episode, his big first episode, is old money. That's when he gets the oh, yeah, uh, elderly this. girlfriend. That's the first big one with him as like the yeah. main character. 
Oh, okay. And since this is the first flashback, we've never seen like we've only seen Abe as the doddering old man. We right. haven't seen him as just this like angry asshole who's just like yelling at his kid. Oh, I I love well, I got the whole clip here. I just love how mean but also loving in a weird way Abe is to Homer here. Yes. What's the matter, boy? Nothing. You haven't said poo all night, and usually I have to wrestle a bucket out of your greasy mitts. Dad. I'm in love. Uh-oh. Why don't you grab yourself a bear, boy? But, Dad, I don't drink. Cut the crap. I just collect the cans, Daddy. Now grab yourself a bear and get me one, too. Now, this girlfriend of yours, is she a real looker? Uh-huh. Lot on the ball? Oh, yeah. Oh, son, don't overreach. Go for the dented card, the dead-end job, the less attractive girl. Oh, well, I blame myself. I should have had this talk a long time ago. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> this is his version of the sex talk, I take it? The, I the lower it. your standards <laughs> talk? True. It's sad enough how he just yells at him of like, you, uh, he's telling him you're not good enough to have a good looking girlfriend who has p- a potential in her life. And mm. the way he goes like, ah, I should have taught you this sooner. And Homer thanks him for it. Like that's the <laughs> extra darkness of that joke. Yeah, they do it again with the uh, guidance counselor, which I'm sure we'll get to. But uh, man, it just makes you want better for Homer, huh? It just mm-hmm. makes you want him to to lock down Marge. <laughs> we see the circumstances that formed him yeah, really in this episode. That Homer lives in this like just like shithole with his dad who just yells at him. And they're like, hey, I got, uh, here's dinner. I bought a bucket of fried chicken. Uh, yeah. Well, and also like the this is the first appearance of Shakespeare's fried chicken, the recurring uh, fried chicken restaurant that didn't appear all that much. No, but... I think we heard the jingle before, maybe, but you we know, didn't see a bucket. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but it didn't catch on like Krusty Burger. I think once they landed on Krusty Burger, it's like, oh, yeah, Krusty can just show up here whenever he wants to. So it's like a great place to be. No need for other other fast food places. Yeah, yeah it's I... funny when you I'm trying to think of other examples where where there's been like the, the early attempts at finding like, a, oh, we need a an in-world version of this brand mm-hmm. you know they'd go to like oh the singing sirloin we're gonna go to that restaurant they go there like twice and they're like yeah what what more can we do with the singing restaurant we yeah let's just go to a place that's mcdonald's and crusty the cloud can show up there boom that's <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean it's a perfect setting for scenes the crusty burger yeah but yeah, also the bit of Homer, he's breaking the wishbone and he's holding both ends, but the middle just flies off. So Homer's a, he's a born loser. <laughs> guy. So I didn't good. notice that. That's great. So yes, Homer got, uh, he's given no confidence by Abe. He then goes to his guidance counselor. Yes. Uh, as a little kid, I love, cause I knew the alphabet as a little kid. So I actually really love the joke of Homer counting off the letters of like, wait, where's S? <laughs> the guidance counselor. I also really like the little specific of homer going like this with his hair just like pushing his hair out of his eyes as he's talking it's, it's extra bushy in this scene just yes. to give him some nervous acting uh, <laughs> i love the line of "Ooh, simpson you should have come to see me, see me a long time ago <laughs> yes yeah he's, he's got a pretty thick uh guy you know that's a guidance counselor's fault really and that's homer it. interprets guidance as dating advice in this yes, case yeah uh, I would think now guidance counselors would be like, I, it is illegal for me to tell you yeah. how to date a, a, a teen, a, a fellow teen. I will, I cannot tell you. You're on your own, kid. And what is his advice? He's like, well, find common interests and spend, spend, spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so insane. 
it's uh, one that he knows Marge is like famous is like oh she's a really good student she's on the forensic team and is really good at it she's I mean there was debate club in my school I never heard of a forensics team it's just what? another word for debate okay oh really yeah. okay. I, I thought that was weird too also when he asks Homer what he's gonna do it's one of my favorite like Dan deliveries yeah. and posing like I'm gonna drink a lot of beer and stay out all night so so good it's very loud he just screams it there's you can feel them like shaking the walls of the recording booth in so many of these old ones i love that you know burns looks exactly the same when he's given that brochure for uh for the uh, nuclear power plant not wearing his toupee <laughs> yeah that we saw once <laughs> they you know they have a lot of jokes back then uh so many jokes in this episode of like oh homer you never gain weight oh you've got plenty more hair where this came from uh you'll never work in the nuclear power plant mm-hmm. they're easy jokes but they are good i i laugh mm-hmm. at him every time oh well, that's your other main thing besides doing 70s jokes is like well we're then we're doing simpsons jokes jokes mm-hmm. we're joking on what we know the simpsons what the simpsons becomes it, it reminds me too of being a comic book nerd as a kid of just reading those origin comics that are written backwards of just like wolverine saying i'd never join a team i'm not <laughs> right, a team right. player yeah, the big old wink <laughs> they, they, <laughs> at some point they realized they were doing this too much and i think at one point maybe in the teens they had an episode like here's the origin of homer's blue pants like oh, yeah. where do they come from That's right. yeah. <laughs> uh well no it's the next one that al Jean really regrets because they're like we're gonna do them getting married yeah Bart's birth and homer gets a job at the power plant we're gonna do all three of those in the same episode and even on the commentary in like 2003 he's like i can't believe we wasted this is three separate episodes right here we shouldn't have used them all in one yeah that's how i felt about the movie solo mm. you see the movie Solo? oh yes yeah i, I don't think bob has. no no <laughs> But like, uh, it it was like, hey, you know Han Solo? He's he's this guy who we're suggesting a whole world, a whole life of adventures, and it's like, now nah, that happened in a long weekend in one movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, met well. Chewie, he got the Falcon, he met Lando, he had an adventure, and got and his then, last name. Got his like, last name, handed <laughs> his famous gun, all these things. And then the announcement. Just- strip him of all mystique <laughs> yes and then the announcement there will be no more star wars spinoff movies <laughs> yes this is the last one now a I, star wars story well <laughs> those are tv shows now right they are yep yeah no i think people are 10 times more excited to watch the obi-wan tv show than if they had announced an obi-wan movie even though they're the same like it's the, probably the same amount of work and and budget and everything but for some reason, it feels different to have a TV. I mean, I'd rather they do an episodic TV show than just try to cram in all that stuff like they did in Solo. Like, uh, Solo's also yeah. like 30 minutes too long, too. Oh, everything's 30 minutes too long. I agree. Oh, Cruella. I, I just mentioned I saw Cruella at the... the. Well, I kept waiting for like, Cruella's over, right? And I was like, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it has to be slightly over two hours. That's just how it goes. Superhero movies, I think, are especially, they all sort of have that, like, extra loop-de-loop towards the middle back, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, now we got to stop and go get the thing so that we can continue on or, or whatever. And uh, I heard that they do that for, uh, because movies of that length perform better internationally. That sounds right. But it's, that like, mandated sense. from the powers that be. If it's not over two hours, it won't make as much money or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And so that's why a character has to be like, oh, no, I dropped the key back at that place. Gotta go there. In China, movies are sold in bulk. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we see Homer 
Summer joined the forensics team, which is when we get the first appearance. The two a little before this, we got our first episode with Phil Hartman. Now it's our first with another SNL regular. Oh, really quick, may may I comment on butterflies are free? Just oh, yes, in case anyone yeah. is confused. Sorry. So I, I was confused too. This butterflies are free joke is another example of Marge not understanding feminism. And you have to know what the content of that book or sorry, the play in the movie is to know why Marge is getting it wrong. The movie is about a mother concerned that her blind son uh, is falling in love and he can't be independent. And this woman is wrong for him and she wants to be in his life. She wants to be controlling of her blind son and be his caretaker. Marge's take is she shouldn't have to be. Uh, so Marge misread this uh, this movie wow. based on what she thinks about feminism, where she's oh, like, this man. woman should not have to take care of this son. But in the movie, the movie saying, no, she shouldn't have to. This man should be independent and find love with Goldie Hawn, who wouldn't. Wow, man. So there I, you have it. I, You know, I saw the butterflies flies aren't free on the blackboard. Of the they background. are free, Henry. Are free. I When I saw that uh, words on the background, I thought, well, that's a weird. <laughs> set of words i guess it's just like some hippie statement or whatever i never even thought that it was the name of a movie yes yeah. uh 1972 uh, so it's right in that era so it, it confused you i had to find wikipedia to help me out so butterflies are free there you have it but please john lovitz i'm sorry <laughs> yes yeah now this is well no thank you bob i i missed that but uh but yes homer joins the forensics team and we had the first appearance of john lovitz but bringing up a son even a blind one isn't a lifetime occupation. Now, the more you help him, the more you hurt him. Well, I wonder Shelbyville, should they underestimate our strength in dramatic interpretation? Well, thank you, Artie. <clears throat> My name's Homer Simpson. I'd like to sign up for something. Well, we have an opening on the debate team. Debate? Like arguing? Yes. I'll take that, you stinkpot! Just warming up, Mrs. Blumenstein. This year's topic is resolved. The national speed limit should be lowered to 55 miles per hour. 55? That's ridiculous. Sure, they'll save a few lives, but millions will be late. Why don't you take Khan? So, John Lovitz, I want to point out one thing in his career, because he is only known for SNL at this point in his life. Right after he recorded this, probably, uh, he was probably fired from SNL, because if you work at SNL, the story is you get summer off, but you have to be back to start the season. If you're not back, even by a week, you get fired. John Lovitz gets cast in this movie no one remembers called Mom and Dad Save the World. Oh, he uh, he right. is the villain in that movie. It won't come out until 1992 and it's a massive failure. Giant flop. Yeah. But because he's filming it in the summer of 1990 and it goes over, he is fired from SNL. Wow. So he is off SNL at this point and uh, he would not really make a splash for most non-SNL viewers until 92 with A League of Their Own. That is when the John Lovitz heat started turning up and then The Critic would follow and then things like High School High. So Yes, John Lovitz, still just a, a TV SNL guy like Phil Hartman. Man. Wow. Well, don't forget he was the radio in Brave Little Toaster. That's right. And Phil Hartman's in that movie too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a bunch of the groundlings are just the voice cast of that. Yeah, no, Lovitz, uh, he was... Uh, I didn't... Uh, I think it's probably the first time I heard him because maybe by 91 I was watching some SNLs on Comedy Central, maybe, but... I was more into like, you know, the, the Mike Myers and Dana Carvey stuff. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that's, yeah, totally. that's so funny that this moment for Lovitz came right as like a bad, very bad time in his career. He's probably thinking like, oh, I'll never be in anything again. I got fired from SNL. But yeah, I mean, Gene and Reese, when they heard him in, in the booth for this, 
they just fell in love with him like they let they let him just steamroll their script and be like no just be as big and ridiculous as possible the way he goes just like uh whoa be to shelbyville like just they're like ah good night i like yeah uh, it's it's so funny too because like his character is just such a great foil for homer yes you 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 just have this like anti-homer and so like yeah go fucking nuts man uh he really does well then again this episode starts with them watching on tv critics present a fake movie and then it's a sketch of the movie and then you meet Artie ziff who just is the uh, yeah uh, the, the critic a, a smug mm-hmm. buffoon yes yeah who is humiliated <laughs> who's also very smart just like jay sherman is too and that smartness does not help him the only thing he Artie ziff isn't is a food monster that's mm-hmm. the only thing <laughs> uh but yeah the uh i also like just homer yelling in the teacher's face and then realizing like oh uh, sorry <laughs> but yeah you see that Ma- marge is like really good at this she mm-hmm. actually is there's that i really like the shot of pan across the room when marge is speaking you see the teacher like kind of looking at her like ooh, like uh everybody expects big things from marge i i do think feel like there's an intention here of showing marge had a lot going for her and then she met homer <laughs> yeah <laughs> so sad uh and and in 1974 that was when the maximum speed limit mm-hmm. on highways was introduced uh it was supposed to be fully national uh that it would all be 55 we all heard the sammy hagar song about it in the 80s uh, but it but it did become like a wedge issue you know and a very a very reactionary american thing to be like you can't tell me how fast i can drive of course yeah. Yeah. homer homer comes to the conclusion no way yeah upon no. oh right going through all say. of his resources <laughs> i also like you know very smart and economical of them to just sort of introduce homer driving like a rundown oh, shitty yeah. sports car i don't know what that what that is but it's not like a nice sports car mm. but you can tell what kind of guy he is when he's uh you know slapping on the chain link steering wheel <laughs> with that irock z or whatever it is yeah he's he probably was thinking like oh i'm going to work my way up to a firebird but this is my first car and it's it's rocking yeah <laughs> the maximum speed limit it would stay that way until 1995 though lots of states fought it anyway it became one of those through the 80s like those states rights issues Mm. of like well we're gonna repeal it and it's 75 here or whatever and then in 95 at the end of 1995 under the gop controlled full congress they're like nope getting rid of it first thing they did was just get rid of that 55 (laughs) which i mean it was pretty much dead by that point anyway because most states were just like no we we want people to go faster i've i do think uh i i was looking into it a little bit some articles about it some say that it did it definitely decreased uh deaths but it didn't seem to decrease them as much as you think like Mm. uh, it was like slim percentages but you know save lives or save lives uh and i've seen other articles that argue that like actually making people go slow causes slower at 55 causes more accidents on the highway and was that written by the speed council i know uh it was it was not a more trusted source but (laughs) it does it does sound like one of those bullshit things like oh i i read the fruit punch advisory board's website (laughs) about how good fruit punch is you know well i mean if i guess this has always been just the grind between saving lives and personal freedoms but man if if we knew 
than what we know now. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I also really love the design of Homer's messy teen bedroom. Like all the posters he has on the wall are perfect. Like his giant like wooden piece sign is so good. All these all these great specifics. And and speaking of great acting, uh, voice acting. You know, for the longest time, you get the feel that nobody acts in the same room anymore and does the voice acting. You know, economically, on television animation, it's much easier to record everybody separately and Mm -hmm. and animate that way. It makes much more sense. But, like, this moment here of this is Dan Castellanet Mm -hmm. and John Lovitz, who are funny people, acting off of each other and improvising in the scene. And there's so much energy in this clip here. Our current speed limit is an anachronism. The fatuity... Will you shut up? Wait a minute. That word you keep calling me? Ignoramus? Ignoramus? It means I'm stupid, doesn't it? There is a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Not to me there isn't, you... Homer? Ignoramus? You're the ignorant. (laughs) No, you are. Homer, would you like to present your rebuttal? With pleasure. (gasps) I caramba! Homer drops his pants and what an angle on that uh, that butt of Homer. It feels I I don't like imagining what they're seeing on the other side of that camera. Yeah, yeah it's sort of a butt eye view. Yes, yeah. It says I think they're seeing more than just the cheeks, I guess, is that, what I'm that's saying. That's a full moon. I mean, he's yeah. he's pulling the pants are down. It's not yes, even like an ass yeah. window to display. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, pants are all the way down. I'm hoping he's tucking it that he's not also <laughs> making Marcy. Well, if he's the, tucking it, people, uh, I mean, just think about the logistics. Sure, yes. Well, I, I would hope Marge didn't also see Homer's ass and his balls <laughs> on the first on that day. That's all. Um, Man, and what a, what a great, great comeback that there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity not to me there isn't yeah. so oh. fucking good uh and the way they just go like you ignoramus like you're <laughs> like uh, that and also i, I love jelovitz's delivery of like ignoramus like he's just like uh, like asking is like ignorance yeah. is that it? yeah <laughs> uh that uh there there should have been i think that's the only scene of ziff and homer interacting they should have had more of that yeah. there's so much like energy to it ziff is not in it enough yeah yeah agreed uh and, and then uh, and when he gets his big scene at the end he's a creep and you're just like yuck but oh yeah we'll get it yeah we'll get there <laughs> uh but yes marge then i love too that homer just shocks her jumping out of uh, the bushes and oh. he's like uh, you may not remember me she's like i saw your ass like i know who you are <laughs> he, he mooned for rebuttal moon for a bottle is a very funny line too i like that i mean homer then gives a suggestion of like well just ask around you know and uh i i like the framing of the three guys in a row that his his gym coach is like if he worked really really hard he could get one more foot on his foot. junior varsity shot put yes. <laughs> and then uh, we get this the, the shop teacher with the missing finger uh Made a, made a lamp last year. See, I'm that always guy. so distracted by Lovitz's voice there. It's, it's I, really I, Lovitz, yeah. I almost never notice he has a missing, like, ring finger. Like, or that it's a partially gone finger. It's just so distracting Lovitz doing, uh, doing like, such a weird voice, too. This, this, this thing that Barney says is so weirdly poetic. It's like, did Homer put, put these words in his brain? I feel like Homer gave him those yeah. lines to right. say yes. It's, yeah. it's the only glowing recommendation comes from Barney, like. <laughs> <laughs> the only guy worse than homer uh well so this is another big change in the script though uh so barney's script speech is not all florid it's him just saying i've been friends with homer since i was a kid uh, we had our first beer together at 13 he's a great guy 
But I, I much prefer him having this very practice speech yeah. about what a great guy Homer is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this was another improvement in the, uh, but from this, this is another improvement from the script. When he asks Marge's friend to the prom, in the script she says uh, it's an outdated and sexist institution, the prom, more of the you know feminist stuff. Right. But in of her being like cast as the angry feminist, it's so much funnier for her just going like good god yeah. no like, <laughs> well put <laughs> i just love that of like why no what <laughs> like oh it's she's so like good. outraged that the even even the idea was was put on the table <laughs> oh how dare you even think you could ask me to the problem <laughs> Oh, uh, poor Barney. I love that. Yeah, poor, poor, poor Barney. And then Homer learns the magic trick to getting a date with Marge. Lying. He needed to lie. Mm. Uh, but yes, he, he asked Marge for some French lessons in this next clip, which also had some really great, like, just listen to the interplay between mm-hmm. Dan and Julie here. This is, again, just very natural, like, voice acting here. It's all thanks to all men and maybe to one lucky gal. Want to go to the prom with me? God, no! <laughs> well put. Well, what's the good word? Mm, I'm sorry. What? Well, you seem like a nice enough guy, but yeah. I really don't have the time. Yeah. Mm. And the city forensics championship is coming up. Yes, so? Oh, and I, I tutor part-time. You tutor? Yes. And anyone can be tutored? Just those who need help with French. French? Mm-hmm. What a coincidence! Just the subject I'm having trouble with. Why you cagey old dog? Great story. Positively spellbinding. Damn you, work. Mark, pay attention. You may be telling this to your own son one day if something breaks. That's a good line too. Yeah, great, I, great line. I mean, I enjoyed this as a kid, but I, I'm sure many kids were like Bart. Like, show more Bart. Stop yes, showing yeah. these two people in love. I was promised the Bart show. You know, I at this point in the episode when I was a little kid, I was still into it. But by the end of the episode, I think I probably did have Bart's reaction. But <laughs> I I think this was really like them nervous. They're like, we know where the Bart showed all these kid viewers. Right. And and here we're showing the parents like what kid wants to watch a show about their mom and dad falling <laughs> in love, you know? And it's funny, even hearing him say like, work, damn you. Yes. Like, first of all, it doesn't feel like how kids swear, but also I felt like I was transported back to 1990. What was this? Two? One. 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 One where it's just like I had this, I had a 1991 reaction to it. Like you hear, (laughs) you know, characters on shows swear all the time and it's nothing because they feel like modern shows. But when, when it's on this show and you Mm. know that Bart is like the kid who says, damn you, (laughs) I was, I was sort of like, Ooh, that was a little edgy. We, oh, we, yeah. uh, we talked to one of the writers from this era, and he said that they loved making Bart swear at first because, you know, it's funny, uh, a yeah. little kid swearing. But then they found out, you know, they're friends with children like, hey, your our kids imitate Bart and they're swearing all the time. So <laughs> after a few years, Bart stopped swearing. Mm-hmm. Or like not as he's so casual in swearing here. I why well, I, I had that same feeling as a little kid. I, I I'm sure Jeff, you're familiar with the original Ninja Turtles movie. Oh uh, hell yeah! And when Raphael in the movie says, "Damn, damn, damn," I was like, "Oh, oh no, swear!" Yeah, yeah. is my mom signing off on yeah. this? Is mom okay with this? <laughs> Am I gonna get in trouble because Raph sweared? Yeah, I love how they cut to the city too. Like it's mm-hmm. just echoing throughout the <laughs> the, the entire borough. Damn. Damn. 
You can uh, only say that when you lose your sigh, young Henry. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> is there? I think there's a second dam on top of the farmhouse when Splinter gets captured. Am I wrong? You know, I think his first dam is when they're walking back after he loses his sigh. Like, damn. Oh, right. Like, there's damn, that dam. Yeah. But yeah. I, I swear, like, when April's drawing all the turtles. You know oh, yeah, saying? yeah. He's hmm. kind of wistful, like, damn. And it's like, but but there's a there's a shot of one of the turtles on the top of the barn. Mm. And what I piece together from the commentary is that that is actually Michelangelo, not Raph. Oh. And it's and it's dark because Michelangelo is the one character that April doesn't draw, and they don't really get into him. And I guess originally in the script that that Michelangelo was dealing with Splinter's disappearance the worst, mm. and that when he comes in and he interrupts Casey and April and he's like looking for the turtle wax. The reason that they have like this really relieved, weird reaction <laughs> is because they were like really worried about Michelangelo. Hmm. Oh, I can see why they'd cut that of like, oh, we can't have kids see this yeah. angry, like, <laughs> oh, fun, fun party dude. Yeah. Michelangelo is going to be the most angry. Yeah, I kind of would have liked that. But I mean, it's smart of them to be like, okay, nobody knows what a fucking Ninja Turtle is. Let's just focus on the moody one being the moody one and uh, <laughs> get on with it. That's a problem with all those TMNT movies, though. They always make Raph the main guy. It's like, it's not mm. equal time for all the turtles. They're like, well, who's the most interesting turtle? Well, it's Raph because he's like you know, angry. Ra yeah, Raph agree. underappreciated in the video games, but I like how he got time in the movies because I was, I was a Raph stan growing uh, up. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked Michelangelo in theory, like, especially as a kid. I was like, yeah, he's the funny one. And then, like, you know. He just gets irritating. I, w I would love it if somebody would give Michelangelo a little bit of an angle of something. Like, they're just so archetypal and so stay in their lane that I'm like, hey, if I was going to do a new Turtles thing, I would shake it up a little bit. <laughs> I, I was the boring older brother who loved Leonardo. Like, mm. yeah, the sort of, like <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, getting back to Simpsons, though. The, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like that trivia. I didn't know this. Yeah, no, me neither. Whenever Bart would say, damn, I would feel like, oh, I, well, I, I certainly could never say that. Like, I, I don't think I got comfortable swearing in front of my parents until, like, my 20s. Hmm. And, and even then. I still don't. I mean, like, I, I sort of do, but, like, I tend not to. Mm, I well, I wouldn't like say in front of my mom, man, this fucking guy at work. I would say that, <laughs> but I think I might go like, damn, that's a good sandwich or whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. I'd say that. Damn, you can get away with. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Bart uh, is getting sick of the story, but they go back to it. It's date night. Uh, Homer has a hot comb in his hair, which again, a very real thing. Are they implying the hot comb hastened his hair falling out? Do you think? Mm, I think the hair was just falling out. I see. Yeah, Ron Co. <laughs> had nothing to do with it uh, <laughs> i still in the mornings when i go in the mirror i go like yeah there's plenty more where that came from i just <laughs> tell myself over and over again plenty more where that came from uh that that's that zit is so gross it's made me grossed out since childhood i hate seeing that he's zit. got some good cover up on that thing though it's a quality cover up yeah what man owns concealer like that back then that's uh, a lucky man a lucky <laughs> Yeah, that was just a funny little one-off thing. Like they didn't go down the route the route of like, oh, he's gonna squeeze it and make it worse, and we're gonna see it animated for the rest of the episode. It's just like he puts a little pink on there, and it's like, haha, and then yeah it's just he had a zit and he dealt with it the end yeah. yeah no it just feels very natural of just like what well when you were a teenager what did you do to prepare for a date why well, did these things yeah, yeah and, true true dad uh and this is one song they couldn't get in this episode mm. in the original script it called for homer to put on barry white can't get enough of your love this this fakey song is very funny though it's funny yeah oh and they one day would get 
can't get enough of your love. Mm-hmm. And they'd get Barry White to sing it live in the studio for him. Wait, yeah. was that Whacking Day? That, that was. was. Yes. Hey, yeah. you see, I'm not such a slouch when it comes <laughs> to this stuff. Uh, and also in the script, just to get one more 70s uh, aesthetic added in there, Homer puts on high karate as well oh, for right. his dates. That's, that's in the script. I think I can't tell if the bottle is clearly high karate. I didn't the, recognize it on the screen. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I like that Marge doesn't. Marge is so innocent in here. They definitely write her as a girl who had never dated really before Homer. Mm-hmm. I like she Well, just, you hear Patty and Selma, that's what you get when you don't put out. That's so true. They're aware of yeah. her, her virginal ways. <laughs> well, here Marge is just like, oh, why is there makeup music on? Turn it off. We got to study. And he's like, oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, also in the script, the French lessons are about twice as long. I can see why they cut it. It goes on long enough. It's French, you know? The, the fade to the watch is appreciated. The best joke they have in there is that Homer admitting, he's like, well, I guess my first problem is that I don't have the, I don't have the book for French class because he doesn't, <laughs> he's not actually a student in class. So that's why he doesn't have a book. Uh, and you know, we've had many notes to us on how to pronounce the word. Uh, well, okay, Jeff, actually, we should say it before we say it. Okay, what are uh-huh. the coloring instruments that Crayola makes? How would you pronounce that? Crayon. Oh, there we go. Man, wow. See, we're crayon boys over we here. say crayon. But in crayon. French, crayon is a pencil. That's right. how they get you. Man, that's you know, a trick. I think it was Calvin and Hobbes uh, refers to them as crayons. Mm, I see. I I never. Uh, it was just said uh, in my area growing up. Like I just said crayon instead of crayon. Uh, yeah, instead like you. You know, you see it written out as crayon, but uh, you know it, it. Over time, you just say it so fast. It's a lot it just of work. Crayon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yes, Homer and Marge, like, uh, he tries to make the moves on her and make it a date. But I, I think it's really sweet that once she strips that away and it's just them hanging out, they just start to like each other. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are naturally interested in each other and Homer appreciates Marge for, more than just her looks like he's like oh you're really smart and helpful to me yeah it's sweet and she does in a small way make him a better man yes Mm -hmm. yeah you you do see that like oh she is a positive influence on him this is like one of the last times homer listens to her and and does it (laughs) (laughs) well also like there's another great posing when she's like well i gotta go homer runs all the way around the coffee table to stop her it's another just like great like composition more natural voice acting too yeah yeah and they they dance to do the hustle another just like needle drop from the 70s uh on on the commentary mike reese is a little defensive about like look i know we do a lot of 70s specifics and that's the joke and everybody knows there's the tv show that 70s show so this seems pretty played out but mike reese goes like i promise you this was novel to do in 1991 Mm -hmm, it was it was it was not tired uh well then homer and marge connect so much that he asks her out to the prom you know homer you're like no one I've ever met before. You're dear and honest and open without a trace of pretension. I'll take that as a compliment. So will you go out with me? Please say we. We? Oh, what oh, much? This will be the greatest night of your life. I've been saving up for a new engine for my car, but I'm going to spend it all on us. I'm renting the biggest limo. I'm going to buy you the biggest corsage. My tux is going to have the widest lapels, the most ruffles, and the highest platform shoes you ever saw. Maybe I'll wear my hair up. Wait, 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 Marge. 
if honest and open is what you like, get a load of this. Yeah, I'm not really in any French class. This was just a brilliant scheme to get to know you better. Mm. Ow. You know the city forensics finals are tomorrow, and you come here until 1 a.m. pretending to be stupid. Homer J. Simpson, I hate you. Hey, Barney. Guess who's got a date for the prom? <laughs> what a great way to cash in on the, that uh, pretending to be stupid. Yes. Yeah. Hang time is like, beat, beat. Hey, guess who's got a date for the prom? <laughs> oh, so good. She didn't say she wasn't going to go. Yeah, I love I love how it comes back later. He's like, well, you said you go to the prom with me. I, I also said I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Just his. I I remember my mom laughing so hard when Homer says, "Guess who's got a date to the prom?" Like she she loved that line. I I like how Homer. So a regular, I think a more predictable plot in a sitcom would be Homer lies to Marge. She agrees to it, and then like at the prom, she learns Homer doesn't really have a a French class, and he lied to her, and right. that caused a problem. Here, the problem is that Homer does the better thing uh, like the more moral thing of saying like you know what i'll just tell you now i was lying i just wanted to get mm. to know you better and that then they have a whole other thing to deal with in the third act like i i like uh, that's uh, a more not unconventional uh story beat I yeah like, like resolving the lie immediately yes yeah it's refreshing when things go that way mm -hmm. uh also I do kind of think that joke of uh, guess who's got a date to the prom. It kind of works as an act ender mm -hmm. better than if like you couldn't. Uh, I don't know. I guess you could get away with a joke like that or sort of modulate it to make it work if it was just in the middle of, of a flow of a bunch of scenes. Mm -hmm. But it feels like you're sort of over promising like Homer's confusion where that's not really the point. Mm -hmm. Like it does. It does come up again, but it does kind of feel like, OK, that was like a big a big kicker ender and so that we can come back and uh it doesn't feel too disruptive because it makes him very very dumb mm -hmm. in in the script act two actually ends with the cutback to the family that starts the next scene and i mm. think they made the really smart choice of like no you end end on homer saying excitedly guess who's got a date to the pro <laughs> it's a big laugh uh and and also i really love the delivery of like pretending to be stupid like the the that's how mad marge is that her voice goes that high <laughs> though also i i don't want to be armchair psychologist to marge but when she decides she's like fallen in love then she's gonna put her hair up just like her mom does mm. uh, what's this Ooh. mean <laughs> think about that yeah. It then cuts to the opening scene of Bart and Lisa. I think they also are the imagined kid viewer there who are just critiquing the show. Like, there's no tension here. We know they end up together. They're the they're a married couple on the show. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yes, they then cut to Marge failing at her uh, forensics debate. She, I think, like you said, Bob, that wasn't a winner topic anyway. No, probably no. was going to lose to Ziff as it was, <laughs> but uh that that yeah this it does seem to imply that homer cost her it and that oh for sure she's so sleepy and that by ziff winning he then followed that that was like a stepping stone to harvard and then the presidency and all these things and marge marge was robbed of it because some idiot some dumb idiot wasted her whole night 
I love how like tired and resigned she is too. Mm-hmm. Like when it all just peters out and they're like, oh, terrible. Huh? And she's like, yeah, and just kind of like shuffles away. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah. yeah, that's so good. Uh, and, and also great design on all the judges. They do look like old people in the seventies. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in this quick clip here, yeah. I just have the beginning. This is when Ziff asks out, uh, asks out Marge, which definitely you get the feel that Marge saw him. It's like, oh, my friend is asking to take me to the prom. Mm-hmm. I, she does not view Ziff as a potential love interest. But uh, this is a real first for uh, John Lovitz in a cartoon. Marge, this may not be the most appropriate form for what I'm about to put forth. Mm-hmm. Would you there? <laughs> yes, uh, heard uh, a lot more on the critic, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, that is a John Lovitz noise. Apparently, it's good for clearing out your throat. Ahem. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I prefer Akam to Hachi Machi. Mm-hmm. I prefer that, but uh, I like that Ziff is like this freaking nerd who just is like, oh well, if I'm going to ask out this girl, I need to have uh, multiple points here, and I even wallflowers can look forward <laughs> to one day a year. Uh, he's like citing his source, like uh, he, he names the. Newsweek, yeah. yeah. <laughs> America's love affair with the prom. Uh, yeah, so, I well, I mean, I also do think the the writers of the Simpson show, who were you know Harvard educated in most cases, like Harvard educated guys, they probably were more like the people on the forensics team mm-hmm. than they were like Homer in high school. So. Mm. I I don't want to say they they were like Artie Ziff because Ziff's a creep at the end of the episode. So I'm not they're not creeps like him, but I'm saying they probably were bookish guys who oh, sure. used who used cards to ask girls out on dates. Perhaps. Qualifying their prom proposals with uh, articles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now I did not go to the prom. Uh, I mm. did, was like, it seemed like too much work. Honestly, I, I went to stay at home and play video games. just to go with someone I didn't like, uh, and it wasn't fun. <laughs> but now you can say on a podcast you went to the prom. It's true. So, yeah, yeah. I went to the prom, but uh, I knew my date didn't like me like me. Mm. Actually, we we had a junior prom and a senior prom. Oh wow, man. Um, you know they went okay. Mm. I didn't. It wasn't a it wasn't a Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't like in a movie nothing dramatic happened there no, no. one got pushed in the pool <laughs> no. uh but yeah marge marge accepts the date uh because she's known him for for m- most of her life it sounds like uh and then here's another bit i didn't know the name of before but when it cuts to marge looking in the mirror this is called out specifically in the script it is a reference to the norman rockwell saturday evening post cover called girl at mirror mm-hmm. it's a young girl who's feeling inadequate to like the beautiful movie stars and she's looking at herself in the mirror of like oh i'm not as pretty as the girl in the magazine that's why marge is posed with like a magazine on her uh on her lap while she's looking in the mirror interesting yes yeah i'm looking at it this was an era in which you could reference saturday evening post covers we all know this norman rockwell cover yeah i think i think the only one i know now is just uh, by reference is like oh that thanksgiving dinner one Mm -hmm. that's like the that's the only one i think of man i uh a friend of mine worked at amblin as a pa years and years ago and was editing a short film that he did in in like one of the bays hmm. and, he, and he was like hey you want to check out the cut of my film and i was like do i get to go to amblin and he said yes and so, <laughs> I, and so i went and um 
And we went in on a Sunday and uh, it looks like Jurassic Park. And he said, hey, you want to see Steven's office? And so we go in and we, we check it out. We just like peek our heads in. The first thing you see is fucking Rosebud. Right. In, in, in like a uh, display case oh, on the cool. wall. And then like, uh, and then like put prepped on the floor, like below where they would be hung. A bunch of original Norman Rockwells. Wow, man. And then my buddy was like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Wait, Steven Spielberg likes Americana? I know. Yeah. This is the first <laughs> I'm hearing of this. Oh, I can't. I forgot he owns the real Rosebud. Me too. Yeah. That rules. Uh, <laughs> and you got so to wild. see it. Man, that's amazing. Uh, uh, well, yeah, and here, Marge, we also get a little insight into what her upbringing was like of just her cruel mother telling her that uh, you can't put on makeup because that's what whores do. You have to just <laughs> pinch your cheeks. Ladies <laughs> pinch. <laughs> whores use rouge like yeah and also uh a rare appearance of marge's dad clancy Mm, uh we'd see him again in fear of flying in flashbacks that reveal he was a flight attendant which was traumatic for marge and that was revealed in the season 27 episode puff list that he died of lung cancer Mm. so that is the entire history of clancy bouvier Uh, I, I definitely think the way they pose him in his first shot of pulling up like what looks to be like an unfiltered cigarette, like the most unhealthy cigarette you can have. I think you're supposed to assume he probably died of, of cigarette related mm. fatality. Yeah, man. The uh, first seeing Selma in Patty's first meeting with Homer and they just instantly hate him, even though he's being like a nice guy. Uh, it, it's funny. It's really funny when they instantly are in love with Artie Ziff. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. They love him. That, you know, that extended to their love of Jay Sherman when they That's first true. met him. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Man, what what is that exchange they have with Artie where it's just like, well, don't we look spiffy tonight? He's like, yes, we do. Uh, yes, indeed we do. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed we do. That's <laughs> so uh, good. I, I I also love, yeah, Selma's put out line, which is not in the script, but it's one of those details that like, yeah, Marge did not sleep with anyone before Homer, uh, though it seems to imply that Selma and Patty are like, we do put out because we get good. We get better. guys. <laughs> Clancy here, you know, they never got much out of him. I think they also kept talking. They say it on the commentary. They they had jokes that they would cut about him like dying on a roller coaster or whatever, mm-hmm. but they they never stuck with it. Uh, but but Homer enters the room. They're taking the photographs of them together, and Homer finds out that uh, he was he had made an assumption for an entire like three weeks, <laughs> and is and also he says he hopes he will be able to graduate in the summer. As that episode, the front reveals Homer he, does not graduate. He in the did summer. not. No. Uh, <laughs> Homer never graduated high. like he he is able to get a GED equivalent but that's it uh but yeah and the photograph bit of it jokes revealing over photographs Silverman uh, had done that in the family portrait short in the Allman days as well so this was when the shorts were still so recent that they could be like well let's reference shorts everybody remembers those instead of completely forgotten and literally no one remembers them sure another cost-saving measure all also <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And stylish. Uh, but yes, this is when Homer finds out he's a spare and walks Whoa. away. So sad. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Marge Marge says, like, I told you I hated you. <laughs> and I also love the exit of, like, now that that unpleasantness is behind us forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, right after this, the debut of uh, a guy with several names. Mm-hmm. Although, so in this run of Talking Simpsons, we're doing season two and season 12 back to back. Uh, alternating rather uh this guy is named in season 12 
a Raphael. Raphael. Yeah, it's uh, funny we were just talking about a Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> known known in the script as sarcastic clerk or wise guy, but it's Hank Azaria doing a Charles Bronson impression, and it's always very funny. Yes. Uh, here's here's the first appearance of the Bronson voiced wise guy. Hey, buddy, where's your date? She's with him. Ouch. So I guess you want me to take you home, huh? Hey. I paid for this car, I paid for this tuxedo, and I paid for the two dinners. We're going to the prom. Prom it is. <laughs> prom it is. Uh, all, always funny. Yeah. Uh, one of the best just incidental voices, not attached to any real character. <laughs> uh, the, apparently, the, the second appearance he would do is in Old Money as another driver, because at first he's just like, oh, it's the chauffeur sounds like this, so if we have a driver, he'll sound like this. I think it was intended to be the same character, but aged up, right? Because Silverman directed both, so he aged him up for that shot. I think that's, too, why Wise Guy can show up as multiple ages, because sometimes they're like, well, this is the character model for old Wise Guy, <laughs> and here's the character model for middle-aged wise, wise Guy. And so he just uh. he changes from shot to sh uh, scene to scene. Uh, but yeah, that wise guy voice is just everything he says is funny. Every, uh, I can see why they just counted on it of like, well, oh, you know what? This clerk should just be the wise guy. It's funny if yeah. they say that. This line would be funnier in that voice. Mm -hmm. that, that is one of the voices I think about when, you know, like South Park has some too, where it's just like, oh, it's like an extra voice. Mm -hmm. But when, when it pops up, it's like unmistakably Simpsons. Yes. Yeah. When it's a specific extra and you just hear like, oh, that's the, this is the one guy this episode who has this voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it pops up all over the place. <laughs> uh but uh we then cut to the prom uh homer you know he's insisting he's gonna do the whole prom thing uh we get to hear the larry davis experience a younger version of him than we've seen before were they in the some enchanted evening episode yes that's when we first yeah. saw them and uh, and here they're singing goodbye yellow brick road an album released in 1973 so uh period accurate uh, and uh, and I mean, I'll, uh, it, it would be a callback to Elton John if they kept it in there. I actually, Jeff, you know, I we haven't even asked you. Uh, you're a professional musician as well. What uh, what, what do you think of all the '70s music in here? I mean, it's great. I'm not like the biggest '70s guy to be honest. Like hmm. I knew all these songs because they're uh, they're all bangers. Mm. Even, but, the um, <laughs> Even the streak. Yeah, yeah actually. Wait, what, which one? Oh, Ray Stevens, the streak. Oh no, <laughs> no I, didn't know, I didn't know the streak. I'll look it up. <laughs> you know, I like. I, I I know that they were saying, oh, it's maybe not the coolest to do this. I still like this. I know I was talking shit about Deadpool and Suicide Squad. <laughs> Simpsons gets a pass. I'll, I'll watch all this stuff, but I, I never really listened to uh, '70s music. I was like. A 90s kid, I listen to 90s music. Give me mm. Green Day, baby. <laughs> uh, you aren't, uh, well, uh, you, you weren't pulling up the oldies the, as much. Uh, the <laughs> no, don't give me Fleetwood Mac or <laughs> I don't know who else. Damn, early Aerosmith. <laughs> you know, they're missing Fleetwood Mac in this uh, That's episode. True. That's a major 70s one. And uh, well, I mean, they only have so much money. They can't like, oh, let's play just ABBA here. I. I, well, rem I remember hearing on a community commentary where Harmon decided, Dan Harmon, the creator, decided for one episode they'd have like seven ABBA songs. And once he finished that episode, he's like, oh, we can't have any more songs this season. That <laughs> was done. every yeah, song. Yeah, that's the budget Jesus. for that. Yeah. Well, uh, I do want to talk about the streak because it was hot off the presses. The streak came out in February of 1974. So now they're like in May or June. Uh, and I was like, what was streak? Like streaking had a weird uh, brief, like was a weird brief 
fad. It started in 1973. No one can pin uh, where it began. It was on college campuses, but everyone was blaming Los Angeles. Uh. It's like this Los Angeles fad is corrupting our youths. <laughs> so uh, I, I think the best sketch about it is Mr. Show. They did that like streakers in the future oh, yes. sketch. I love that streakers in the future uh, sketch. But yeah, streaking was such a minor fad that Ray Stevens wrote a novelty song about a man streaking. Which is wow. a sex crime. Don't do it. Yes. Uh, don't don't peep, no, don't show your genitals to every person you can. But uh, man, I I almost did in college. I'm just glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was a more innocent time. Yeah. It's now that we know better. But yeah, back back then, I I recall in uh, Michael Showalter's book, he has a bit about like why streaking is funny. But one of the bits is that you have to be like kind of out of shape, and uh, it's it's about having an unimpressive body and just seeing a penis flapping around. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> spectacularly it's got to be a little cold out yes yeah uh but i mean barney is just the right body type to streak that's Mm -hmm. uh but i mean too it's a reference to the 74 oscar streaker as well oh really okay well i this one i know especially because but that was like the peak of streaking like if on the 1974 oscars that david niven hosted a streaker just runs by on live TV, but the camera makes sure it's all above the waist. Nothing aired on TV. Uh, and then David Niven says, uh, I'm shocked someone would show the world his shortcomings. Basically, <laughs> Hey, he had that in his pocket. And uh, yeah, really. it, it feels like he had something ready there. Right. But, and so in the original script, Artie Ziff just says that line. He's like to quote David Niven. Mm. So uh, it was it was very specific in the script. They make it more specific about the Oscar streaker. But streaking was was all the rage in the seventies. I and, feel like I associate it with like old soccer games or something. Like hmm. oh yeah, I feel like I, vintage sporting events. You'd see people streaking. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I associate it with European things. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. They tend to have the drunkest fans. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. True. And and also, you know, less uh, less inhibited about their bodies too. Mm-hmm. Unlike unlike a, a shame filled American. How European. <laughs> uh, this uh, speech by Artie, I've always loved it. Especially good for you when yes. he's like congratulating the crowd for voting for him. Because uh, it doesn't seem like they would be prom king and queen, and they don't give much explanation of why. Like why. Why are they the most popular people to be that Marge is prom queen? Like that's something you can forget about her. Uh, yeah. It seemed curious to me. Um, but you know, it makes a better story for Homer and Marge in this very moment. So it let's makes do it. things sadder for Homer because yeah. the angle of this is Homer is so sad. You have to feel so bad that you marry him eventually. Yes, I, You poor man. It's so, I think it's, it's very sweet that Homer's on the outside, like yelling at like, he's not even depressed. Then he's like, all hail queen Marge. Like he's trying to get her attention and, and be positive. Uh, but then when he sees Marge and Artie dancing to their song, he can't mm. take it. Why do birds suddenly appear? Every time you're near. Homer? What? Why are you doing this? Why can't you accept that I'm here with someone else? Because I'm sure we were meant to be together. Usually when I have a thought, there's a lot of other thoughts in there. Something says yes, something says no. But this time, there's only yes. How could the only thing I've ever been sure about in my life be wrong? Hmm. I don't know. But it is. (laughs) Well, then. 
Where to now, Romeo? Inspiration point. Okay, but I'm only paid to drive. <laughs> hey. uh, I feel bad for the Carpenters because whenever I hear that song, I do think of John Lovitz. Uh, oh, yes, him yeah. every time. You near? <laughs> yes. Just his, his fun <laughs> spoken <laughs> word version of it. Um, man, The Simpsons is so good at being heart wrenching in those brief moments. You put your guard down for an entire episode, and then they fucking get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Homer is so raw and real with her, and the music even seems to cue like oh she's gonna say you know what homer i was wrong and says like well it is and walks away just like nope you're wrong oh god and and yeah i mean dan and julie just so good and real there together and and yeah that moment is where gene and reese realize (laughs) like oh john lovett sings a bunch we can do a whole lot with that just have him sing everything we're into (laughs) have what if we wrote a whole show where john lovett sings and coughs up things (laughs) (laughs) it'll be a hit Uh, but yes, Homer, Homer is given up. Uh, they head up to inspiration point, which is apparently designed to look like the famous scenic overlook in the mall Holland drive area of, of Los yeah, Angeles. Baby. You, you recognize it, Jeff? I sure do. <laughs> the view shelf. You taking stuff up, uh, folks up to inspiration point. <laughs> I <laughs> wish, man. <laughs> it's um, gotta be crowded. Yeah, it's, it, it's perfect. It looks great. I used to work on Gene Simmons reality show on A and E. Wow. And I would have to drive on Mulholland to get to his house. Was wow. that the family jewels? Was that what it was called? It sure was. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> you put in your time, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You've earned it, my, Jeff. That was my first job in LA. If it, uh, if it dates me. Uh, but uh, yeah, Homer, Homer just giving up. And also, why does he care about going to Inspiration Point? Like, uh, instead of going home, that I guess he's sticking to his plan. And his plan was to end with taking Marge to Inspiration Point as well. He paid for all this time, yeah, even true. if there's no makeout partner. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, and so, yes, then. We get an uncomfortable scene of just Artie not taking no for an answer. And, you know, once Marge shoves him away and slaps him like that, he stops there. I It's it's an uncomfortable scene. I wasn't going to play the clip of it, but I mean, they don't play it for laughs either. Yeah, yeah. Right. but it is funny how he tries to be diplomatic about it. You know, he tries to like talk his way out of it. It's like it would damage the town oh, to yes, hear it. Oh, yes, yes. That... It is, I hate to say it about a scene about a creep saying, could you not tell people that I'm an awful person? I was like, but just his defense of it would damage the town to hear it. Yeah. He's Uh, a master of uh, forensics. He is. Yeah. You thought I was going to say master debater. I like that she scoffs at that. And I like that, um, you know, I think it's better for Marge, better for Marge's character that Homer doesn't intervene and that mm-hmm. Marge slaps him and like already snaps the strap of her dress. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of like the tipping point where yeah. Marge takes control back. So take me home. Yeah, you go, know. Way to go, Marge. Th- there are so many, even in 91, there were so many like damsel in distress stories. This is just Marge standing up for herself of like, no, like stop. Like, yeah. And then she yeah. kind of rescues Homer from walking home alone. Yeah. It's sweet how she just sees him there at the end. So so this was the other giant change from the script. And okay. in, in the commentary, Silverman mentions this too. Uh, Silverman in general mentions that he feared that he ruined the episode or when it first came back, he thought, oh, this looks like crap. I did a terrible job, which is crazy that he would think that. But mm. uh, but one of the things that got changed big time was the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks, we've talked about this a lot, actually, in the last couple episodes. James L. Brooks 
kind of sweetened up the ending here, just like he did at the end of uh, Bart get hits, gets hit by a car or Dancing Homer. But I think it really works here. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's a way to just get out of the story as soon as possible, as soon as the story is done being told, as soon as the flashback is over, because we get Bart gagging, and then it's the end yeah. of the story. <laughs> so in the original script, Marge goes home quietly. She gets out of her car and then just has a moment to herself and, and wordlessly just thinks, oh, and she goes to get Homer. Then she right. picks up Homer and, sa- and just says to him, uh, well, I guess you were right after all. And Homer says... So this is what it feels like to be right. And that's the end of it. Mm. Like that, that's the end of the flashback. And this is so much like, is it almost too sweet? Maybe, but it's just very sweet of like Homer Marge getting to the door and hearing her family badmouth Homer. I, I much prefer that if that's her realization of like, Oh, I didn't go with the right guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And it's quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do like the symbolism of uh, fixing her dress with the corsage he meant to give her earlier. It's yeah. nice visual Ooh, symbolism. I didn't catch that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it's like he by giving her the corsage he was going to give to her, he fixes things and makes it right. Yeah. No, and I mean, also just him saying like, poor Vu, like he brings back his French lessons as well. And and it's it's just very, it is, too, it is very sweet. Mm-hmm. I... I think the line, so on the commentary, Reese thinks they almost went too far. He's like, this is this is the farthest we went with one of these things of Homer saying, I'm going to hug you and I'm going to kiss you, never let you go. And, and I and never, I never did. Yeah. Well, and Reese is like, yeah, this is too far. That's why they have Bart yeah, gagging. gagging. Yes. Uh, I think it was also going to end with a conversation about like what happened to Artie Ziff. And their original idea was them saying, oh, no, Artie Ziff got arrested in like a savings and loan scandal. And Homer's joke is, haha, he can't even vote now. <laughs> and, and Lisa says, Dad, you never vote. He said, I don't want to. Yes. So, and that was the joke they went out on originally, which yeah. was yeah, a, a less sweet note. Homer's saying, but I don't don't want to that's the last line in that original yeah. script page yeah. and when Artie comes back in season 14 the ziff who came to dinner i think it was it's called uh we find out yeah he is like a destroyed.com millionaire like <laughs> his money has all been taken from him he's a disgraced millionaire i do like that i do yeah then well and then later he'll make an indecent proposal to marge as well <laughs> but i i much prefer just ending on the sweetness i think it's earned because it is like this is the love story of the show like this is the core love story of the show you can get away with a little like syrupiness in it yeah. and if you're gonna do it do it and, and uh <laughs> i also like the the ending is abrupt like it, it's funny to have bart just sort of shit on everything you've seen because that's what bart's there to do <laughs> yes but it also makes me feel like they use their runtime better like mm-hmm. everything leading up to that really really abrupt ending gives you those moments where it's like oh we're gonna have homer go all the way up to make out point and not have an interaction with marge so you're still like you're still a little bit on your back foot we've seen a million of these episodes where the characters have complications but they find little unique ways of having having marge say you know leaving him when homer's crying and says like yeah i guess you're wrong yeah <laughs> not not interacting at makeout point and getting all the way home before she picks him up it's like they found cool little interesting ways of like milking it out doing different things so that when you get to the end you gotta get out of there the next show's gotta start baby if, the, if this had been in season five they would have i think they would have gone even farther with that and just had the joke of like 
she never saw him again that night in high school and like oh and then after you know like a few years later we like met in college yeah. and then we we just we bumped into each there. other at the mall or yeah. something <laughs> but yeah like after that much uh sincere emotion it's good to just end the episode yeah. and bart's gagging yeah. and it still lets you know like bart thinks this is dumb and like well here i'll just play i'll play the finale clip here shut up i'm over as far as i can go I should have gone to the prom with. Who? Oh. Hi, prom day. Marge, poor fool. Mm. Why so glum? <sighs> I got a problem. Once you stop this car, I'm gonna hug you and kiss you, and then I'll never be able to let you go. And I never have. <laughs> <laughs> The bark gagging lets you know they know it's like yeah it's, it's very cute but uh again that's another of my all-time favorite just like dan castellaneta deliveries just the almost like sing song he goes like all right all right i'll walk in the mud like, <laughs> yeah that uh, is etched into my brain for some reason yeah i really don't know why just the way he says it is just i don't know it's just so memorable like all right all right yeah i and again not in the original script i wonder how much was retakes there because mm. they're and because definitely marge's exchange with homer no lip sync in that like it's all off but uh it's it's uh yeah that it's a very sweet ending and i also you know i like the scope of it too it's just really about like three weeks in their lives mm-hmm. you know and only one thing happened it's when homer and marge went to the prom yeah i there, there's better flashback episodes like i i love the b sharps one i love lisa's first oh, yeah. word yeah but this uh uh, this one is extra sweet. Yeah, it established yeah. the format and uh, it, it explained a, a, enough to give you, you know, more questions afterwards. Like, where did this come from? Where did that come from? They had a lot of ground to cover after this. So mm-hmm. they, they said this could be a kind of episode and it really worked. Well, I hope we see more of Marge's dad. I mean, like, we can still <laughs> use him, right? We got years left of The Simpsons. They can do another flashback to Marge's dad. More stories with him. There's probably, like, five comics about him that we just haven't read. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons comics, they like they see where there's unused stuff. And they're like, well, we only have to ask Matt Groening for permission for I mean, this. They could have a grand plan, you know? Like, they, they know how to keep an ace <laughs> up the sleeve. Like, hey, we're going to need this Marge's dad. We're going to save him for season 40. Simpsons movie two, the secret of Marge's dad. That's yeah. the rise of Clancy. <laughs> the rise of Clancy. Uh, any other final thoughts for this one? Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just a really, it's a really great foundational episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not as it's uh, future ones would be a lot peppier with jokes and, and yeah. faster and all that, but uh, that you do lose some emotion in that. And uh, I think it's, so. it's nice to get, and just how much space there is for like acting in this and just like naturalism i really like a whole lot it is a true classic but yes thank you so much to jeff dutton for being with us for two and a half hours of your free time thank you so much for being on the show please talk about the sloppy boys where we can find you and support you and listen to your stuff oh awesome well uh the sloppy boys is my band turned 
booze podcast uh we've got our albums are up on spotify uh the podcast is everywhere you you get podcasts and we we basically it's myself and tim galpakis and mike hanford from the sketch group the birthday boys and we make a cocktail every week and we talk about its origins and we make it live and we drink it live and we crack wise <laughs> I, uh, you can find me on twitter and all sorts of uh social media at jefferson dutton and you follow uh you can follow at the sloppy boys now i uh, i was a fan of your guys's music uh like so i was so sad i hadn't gotten to see you guys live yet but soon soon i hope mm-hmm. to uh, it'll happen we we want to recently uh, at the time of this recording uh your hawaii trip episode was a whole lot of fun like just just the story i i <laughs> This, the you I really loved your story about surfing. That was a very funny story. <laughs> Can we tell him I puked? I puked yeah. on a surfboard. I got seasick. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's uh, you know you're having too much fun in Hawaii. It happens to the to the best of us. Yeah, and you know I'd been surfing before, so I don't want to seem like too much of a noob. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a bad time. <laughs> and then, uh, but I'd never been to Hawaii before, and it was great. And uh, hey, cheers to Hanford for organizing it and setting it all up. Oh, that's nice. It was so, I mean, just hearing, feeling the energy of you guys all in the same place again after, after all of this, yeah. uh, it was really great. Yeah. Yep. But thank you so much for coming on, Jeff. We got, we'd love to have you back. Oh, for sure. Thanks, guys. So thanks again so much to Jeff Dutton for being on the show. Please check out the Sloppy Boys, both the music and the podcast. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Sign up for 5 bucks a month to get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes 100-plus podcasts we've been making for the past four-plus years, which includes all of our limited miniseries. The most recent one was Talking of the Hill Season 2 Part 1. That was 11 new episodes of our King of the Hill retrospective podcast. And there's another miniseries coming up in the fall of 2021 for patrons only so you want to be on that patreon at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is a ten dollar level as well when you sign up for that you get all of the five dollar stuff plus also access to one make a long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast. Now, we have a sister podcast uh, to Talking Simpsons called What a Cartoon. Twice a month, we talk about an animated series, super in-depth, just like we do The Simpsons. And once a month, we do the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast only for our $10 and up Patreon supporters. They get to hear us talk often for over four hours about the history and scene-by-scene deconstruction of an animated feature film. We have so much fun recently talking about films like the hunchback of notre dame disney's hercules the awful cool world <laughs> and the 20th anniversary of shrek and there's a giant back catalog i would say there's over 140 hours of exclusive what a cartoon movie podcast about so many classic films we have so much fun talking about them you can hear that in addition to all of the five dollar stuff if you go up to that premium level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter as bob servo and my other podcast is retronauts a classic gaming podcast about old video games find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month henry what about you why you can follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g anytime you want to know what's going on with henry gilbert that's where you'll find out also if you're on twitter following the both of us you definitely should be following the official twitter account of this podcast at 
Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod keeps you up to date when new podcasts come out, when there's new stuff on the Patreon, when there's news in Arnalize. Follow at Talk Simpsons Pod, please, on Twitter to stay up to date. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time for Season 12's Tennis the Menace, and we will see you then. Some people call me a space cowboy. Yeah. Some people need a gangster love. Some people call me Maurice. Woo! Woo! Because I speak of the prophetos of love. People talk about me, baby. Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong, doing you wrong, doing you wrong. But don't you worry, baby, don't worry. Cause I'm right here, right here, right here, right here. Lord, Simpson, you should have come to see me a long time ago. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I just met this girl, Marge Bouvier, and I want to force her to like me. Well, <laughs> that's not exactly the type of guidance I give. Oh. Well, I like to think I do something helpful for every student, N through Z. Uh, the only advice I can give you is try to share common interests and spend, spend, spend. Well, what interest does she have that I could make common? Oh, I believe she's very active on the forensics team. Uh, they meet in the new building, room 219. Far out. Uh, Homer... Do you have any plans for after graduation? Me? I'm going to drink a lot of beer and stay out all night. <laughs> no, I meant career-wise. You know, that nuclear power plant will be opening soon. It's one of the few outfits around that won't require a college education. Me in a nuclear power plant. <laughs> Kaboom! Kaboom! <laughs>